were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. I am your host, Space Orphan 18. Today, um, we are going to do kind of a fun thing that I thought would be an interesting thing to do um, for both Kurt and Blaine, but this one's going to be Blaine-focused, and this is the first part of this kind of thing. We are going to talk about uh, headcanons we have, filling in the blanks of canon, and we're going to talk about Blaine's early life all the way up through season three and just talk about the stuff that we didn't see on screen and a lot of the things that we might be able to um, discern through our clues through canon and what personal head cannons and what fandom has kind of come up with. And yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And I have two awesome guests with me today and I will let them introduce themselves, even though I didn't pick an order this time. So they can, whoever wants to jump in first. <laughs> Hi, I'm uh, Carly. I am Caro Jane on Tumblr and elsewhere. I am Carmen. I'm Planeship 2 on Tumblr and I'm Planeship on AO3. Awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast, guys. are back because you guys are old pros at this point. Oh, um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's kick it off by talking about uh, Blaine's childhood and... Some of the things like that we want to uh, like, what kind of family life do we think that he was born into? Because we we all you know, Kurtz is a little bit clearer because we you know we mm-hmm. know his dad and and all that. But um, like, do we think that he was born into like a rich family, or do we think that he was born into like a upper middle class? What what are your guys' head canons for this? Well, the fandom consensus seems to be. Uh, 
like lean towards rich. I think uh, it's basically because he he went to a prep school and he wears like uh, nicer clothes. Of course, everybody on the on the show wears like more expensive clothes that, than they can actually afford. But um, he he just has the air of he has more of an air of a East Coast prep. Uh, more expensive or uh, richer family kind of situation. Um, and also when he talks about um, uh, Dalton, I think in the first episode he's in, he says, well, not everybody can afford to come here. So I'm lucky in that way kind of thing. So just the idea that he's, he's probably rich just because of the, the prep school angle and because of his, uh, the amount of hair gel he's using because that's this would be a, a huge part of the family's budget yeah it's not cheap hair gel <laughs> and also he kind of like uh, he's n not like he he throws around his generosity a lot like uh for for sam um i forgot what uh <laughs> Or when it was guilty pleasures when he's like, here, take this yeah. 50 bucks. You don't need yeah. to be stealing macaroni. Like, yeah. Buying a, like, buying a piano. Like what what high school yes. student can throw away <laughs> 50 bucks like that, yeah. really? Yeah, that's, that's it, a good point. It just seems like he comes from like a, a, a background where, you know, oh, you need this? Here, here, have this. <laughs> kind of mm -hmm. is normal. Mm hmm Yep. So so yeah, I lean more towards the the rich. Maybe not like like some um, fan uh, fiction has him being like the richest man on earth, or no. you know goes over that. But probably you know his his family does well, and mm -hmm. um, as for like the family situation, it's it's probably his father who has the job. His like. Um, Pam, when they, they introduced, like when they, I think the behind the scenes, uh, description for her character was that she worked for like a Mary Kay kind of thing. So mm -hmm. that's, that's usually a, uh, side venture for, um, housewives either for like, um, for extra income or for, um, housewives who just want to keep busy so what i did you do yeah yeah i yeah. have a feeling it's the latter in this case so mm -hmm. um because of the month they make and you know mary Kay doesn't exactly isn't an exactly lucrative kind of job so mm -hmm. so it's more like a hobby than a like source of high income for their family mm -hmm. well and yeah. i'm kind of Think, oh, sorry, Carly. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to say, and if you if you compare um, Blaine's family situation to or the, the the money situation to Kurt's situation, his father owns a shop, so they are not actually poor either. They have kind of money. I think if you own a, a shop and and it seems to be a quite a, a, a successful shop, then they don't have problem with their money, but still they have problem to to get the the money. Uh, for the for the for Dalton because it's so much and the fact that 
Blaine's family doesn't seem to have that uh, a problem. Uh, yeah, let's it, uh, suspect that at least they have much more money than uh, a middle class um, um, a business. I'm not a businessman. I, I'm not sure exactly about the term you would use for, for Bert. What he's doing? Small, a small, small a business, business owner. Small business yeah, yeah. So they anyway, they have more money than 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 Kurt has. Kurt's family has, and and Kurt's family isn't a poor family either. No, but I would say like with with and then maybe it's I don't know if it's different in America, but um, the Bert is still. I mean, I can use. Even though he is running a small business uh, and doing it rather well, I would say that he could still be struggling on bills and making a profit. And I mean, because he lives in a small town, it's not like he's going to have an abundance of customers all the time, especially mm -hmm. if there's like a, a chain store down the street that people could come to. Like people would come to, to Hummel Tires and Loop because they live in Lima because they've known him and maybe it's a family business. Um But there so could be a Jiffy Lube down the street. Right, exactly. <laughs> kind of. Where with uh, Blaine's family, a couple of points that I want to take from what you guys have been saying. Um, Blaine, you're right. You know, there's a difference between like him being well off and and on the higher middle class, maybe low rich end. Because when he meets June, he's just in awe of like how much money she has like they're literally throwing money everywhere and he's like oh my god what is even this so i feel like it's not he's not having the experiences of like the upper echelon the one like, like Kard kardashians and right Hilton's exactly and, yeah but he's definitely way above the class level of of kurt yeah. um so that, yeah, they're not. And then, like, I'm just kind of looking at, do you think, and you guys can tell me if you don't agree with this completely, but I wonder if the way even he dresses and the way, you know, if you look at Cooper and his mom, they, like, Blaine is a very kind of a classy guy. And with the, the a lot of it is his personality, but I also think, like, you know, he has money, like you said, to do the hair gel all the time and to <laughs> look classy all the time. That is part of his thing. But I wonder if it's just also part of being able to have that, you know, access to money to be able to do that as well. And like, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely that. But, um, yeah, I don't think he's, like, he doesn't give off the, the like, Uh, Olivia Jade, I'm oblivious to the working <laughs> man kind of like he has a real awareness like of the fact that his prep school is is expensive. He probably has classmates that um, are on scholarship and he yeah. uh, he knows that he is lucky. He um, and like he shops at the Gap, mm -hmm. which um, it. The Gap was expensive for me growing up, which, um, <laughs> but it's really now it's, it's a, um, it's more mainstream than it was like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, that's, that's true too. But like, um, now like the, I don't think of it as a rich person store. I think like if. That's more like the J. Cruz and the Banana Republic. So I'm getting into it. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, don't um, be sorry. But um, 
like I I think he's on the straddle of of like upper middle class, maybe more upper middle class, but oh, definitely, yeah, I completely agree with that. Well, and like I I completely agree with what you said about his mom. You know, she's a Mary Kay person, but she does it because she's a housewife and she can. I'm guessing his dad is somebody like a lawyer or like a doctor or, you know, somebody that's insurance, insurance is, is well off. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't need to worry about money. Can they can buy like SUVs and they can buy like all of the, you know, nice stuff. They don't have to ever worry about money. Um, Clearly. They're, you know, I know it's a fandom thing, but I, I still say it's a thing that like, they're probably, you know, off do like his dad, I, I kind of headcanon myself that his dad, he goes off on business trips all the time. So he has enough money to like, you know, his, his company pays for him to take like first class jets to go wherever. Um, and yeah, that, that is like a, a constant theme in canon, in, um, fandom that, because his like we never see his parents when he's at home and they never like they never seem like present that's like the the idea that his parents are constantly traveling or um his his parents are away on business all the time and like that's that's been in every like fan fan fiction i've read about blaine well, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, we've never seen Tina's parents, but you still get a sense that they are, like, middle-class working people who, you know, are just kind of average people who do, you know, their jobs. And it's just the way, I guess, the characters present themselves that you yeah. start to get these, like, you can fill in some of these backgrounds based on, it's just, my, like, based my on My head canon know. for Tina's parents, at least one of them is a psychologist. Or psychiatrist. Oh, really? <laughs> Why <laughs> is that? Because of how, just of how she is. Like, I don't, I don't even know why. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I like it. Like, I, I think it's um, probably a crazy ex-girlfriend kind of her. Um, like, she reminds me of Rachel Bunch. From oh, that. I've never seen it. I'm sorry. <laughs> like the that it's it's my own head canon. Like it, it probably has no basis in anything, but it's just well, it's fine. You, I mean, it's kind of funny because, like you said, we don't really have anything discreet. You know, the only thing that Blaine really ever says about his dad is the stuff in sexy when he says, my dad is trying to make a car with me. Um, Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, I mean, even that, like he's building a car with his son. Like, you know, it's, that is, you know, somebody who's poor is probably not going to be having access to all the parts of a car. Um, Yeah. It's, it's implied that it's like a classic car, like Mm -hmm. that, because um, rebuilding a car is usually you you get a uh, a you know like a classic automobile um, that you um, probably a, I, don't, I, I don't know but um, mm-hmm. which it's it's a uh, 
it's a fun side project that you need money to do or at least a little money. I mean, I mean, I know some people like they take junkers and they flip them, but I feel like this is a guy who would like just get the parts and be like, all right, we're building this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds like a (laughs) hobby, not a like a side side hustle kind of well it also makes me wonder if maybe blaine's parents came from more humble upbringing and they've managed to work themselves up so they weren't born with like a ton of money they were um you know they probably came from middle class roots and you know he just became a lawyer and and just started raking in the money or whatever or the doctor whatever yeah i see him in business more than yeah i do too i don't just i'm picking high end you know but 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 uh, Glee has, like, the shorthand for doctor equals rich parent. Like, um, Mercedes mentions her dad as a doctor. Um, or are they dentists? Dentists, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Santana, her dad's a doctor. Like, yep. it's, <laughs> that's the, the code word. My, my parent is rich. They're a doctor. Mm-hmm. Or they're in yeah. medicine. Because... I would like to add something to the fact that you mentioned earlier that uh, yeah. parents aren't home uh, very much. And um, my my headcanon about this is that um, Blaine's mother probably was at home a lot when when she had Cooper first, and then when he when she had uh, uh, Blaine and Cooper was a little bit grown up. Uh, she started to say, okay, now I have to do something for myself and then started maybe that Mary Kay thing. And my headcanon is that that's why, that is a fact why Cooper on, on one hand is such a pampered and, 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 um, spoiled kind mm-hmm. of child. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, my headcanon is that Blaine probably spent a lot of time with his grandparents because of all the business trips and whatever his parents were on, or maybe his grandparents uh, drove him to to like football games, soccer games, and things that the parents couldn't attend with him. And because he adored his grandpa, his old, I just have to read in my notes, his <laughs> old, old gentleman grandpa. <laughs> so I love this, Carmen. I've never heard anybody say this is amazing. That's where his love for both highs and grandpa clothes came from. (laughs) I love it. Well, you know, I wonder, I'm going to throw this out here, total fan fiction time here. You know, he has a set of grandparents like that that he gets to spend time with, but it's not all the time. I'm guessing Cooper was like, his mom was like, okay, you're going to take Blaney to his piano lessons. And Cooper would be like, ah, and he'd just do it, and he'd be pissy about it, and then he would be gone for three hours, and Blaine would have to sit outside with himself. I think Blaine was a lonely child. (laughs) He was, like, spent a lot of time. But, you know, every once in a while, he would be with his grandparents, who were very loving, middle-class people, um, who wore bow ties and, and... and cardigans and all that. And I never really oh, great. I never really thought of like his his grandparents like in all of my <laughs> headcanons. Like I I usually thought if he like Cooper did a lot of the heavy lifting for for um uh childcare when he was a kid because of just the the age difference. Yep, and the dynamic yeah. they have. He was, yeah, was older, but but when Blaine was born, he was probably eight. 
So he would have been too small to do that anyway. So maybe when he was 14 or 15, uh, they started to to take him in charge to to be uh, responsible for Blaine. But in the earlier times, probably there were other people who had to step in for mm. Blaine <laughs> and his brother. I like um, that, though. I'm adapting that. That's my new headcanon. There, <laughs> I, I don't really know um, college football, but I remember coming across this, like, I think it was a manager or a coach or somebody, or it, it could have been, like, the president of the college, but there's this guy who has, like, I think it was Ohio State, maybe. He had, like, a hundred different bow ties um, and he was known for this and he had a collection and he wore bow ties and like, you know, the, the Midwest, I think it was Ohio. It just reminded me of Blaine and like also his love of college football. I, yeah, I'm guessing that Blaine's fashion choices are an amalgamation of probably something like that or for his grandfather. Maybe he watched yeah, a lot of Bill Nye has- as a kid. <laughs> He has a, an influence. Yeah, I I had that um, theory as well, yeah, that he was a big Bill Nye fan. <laughs> I, I think he just, just Yeah, he just... Um, the, you know, classy and nice that, people wear bow ties. I'm going to be that person. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, like, he, well, in the first two seasons, uh, first season he was in, um, he wasn't wearing bow ties. He was wearing Dalton stuff. And when he wasn't, he was kind of like a. At the like, party with Rachel? Yeah. yeah. I think that's the only time. I mean, do we see him? That in New York. Like in New the, York. Yeah. So we really so don't. Is, yeah. Oh, and I guess, I guess his outerwear for the football game, but like that's basically. Really yeah. 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 But, well, um, and. Oh, go ahead. Right. He, the, the theory is like, he, he wasn't wearing bow ties for a while. Like, and then he, like, he met Kurt and had, had like inspiration to, to wear them again. Like, well, um, you you know, it's interesting. If you look at this, if you look at season one, Kurt dresses a lot like they're going to start dressing Blaine, even though it's a little bit more eccentric. It's a little yeah. bit more like, you know, additional bows or the bow ties are like really crazy. But Kurt, in those early episodes, dresses a lot like the way they're going to start dressing Blaine. So I think and that they changed up the style there. Like, they're like, oh, well, you know, this might work on this character more than it works with Kurt. And, and Cooper makes the comment in Big Brother that um, Kurt dresses him and it's like no he doesn't but I, I do think he, he gets inspired like I, I I like Blaine's wardrobe some people like hate it but I love his like old man like and his plaid on plaid on plaid it's <laughs> ridiculous he looks like a couch but I, I mean not, I don't say that in a bad way it's adorable he, yeah well there are a couple misses in there but um yeah, I love his wardrobe, and like I, I think he is highly inspired by um, Kurt. And <clears throat> like, if you uh, in moving out when he goes to visit, um, when he goes to visit Kurt, Kurt is 
his picking out his clothes for the interview and like mm-hmm. as between a blue polo and a red polo. <laughs> like, um, and, I also and then think that New York, New York, Blaine New York, has- um, uh, Blaine is trying to pick out for Kurt and Kurt is like, no. <laughs> <laughs> But the, the bow ties don't come uh, solely from, from Kurt's side because uh, Blaine, as a tiny boy, he, he already wore bow ties. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it's sometimes that something that came back to him again. So maybe he stopped it when he went to school or to high school because maybe he was ridiculed for it. And then he started again meeting meeting. Kurt and, and seeing how courageous he was with fashion and so maybe he started it again then yeah I could see uh, Cooper making fun of him like little four year old Blaine wearing bow ties all the time liking his little like Pam is like oh you're so cute and dressing him up and, and Kurt uh, Cooper making fun of him and him him stopping like when he starts school and not wearing them and then like like meeting Kurt years and years later and like one day Kurt wears like the um wears a bow tie and he he remembers and he's like I want to do that again like yeah that's yeah something like this that would make sense <laughs> and mm-hmm. then going overboard with them <laughs> <laughs> um kind of jumping back I want to talk about his mom for a second um mm-hmm. because I actually think that he probably has a closer relationship with his mother than his dad. I think that, I mean, just the way Blaine is actually really respectful of women. I think that he has a fondness of women. And I, I just think that like, we don't really see much of them in the wedding episode, but he, he you know, they do share a look together and there's, it, I, I just think that his mom was probably, you know, more round in general. Um, probably a housewife who did the Mary Kay thing on the side. Whereas I think his dad was just gone all the time, unless it was like, Oh, let's do this car stuff together. Cause I think my kid's gay and I don't want him to get gay. Let's like work on this, but it's quiet time. It doesn't, nothing really like they don't talk. Um, I, I, I think that's true to an extent, but just the fact that like Carol Pam meets Carol, she, she obviously knows who Carol is, but she had never met, Carol before and that seems strange to me oh, considering yeah. how one of those canon things that I'm always like nope I kind of because in the script oh. in the script they knew each other already and Carol's yeah. actually introducing Pam to Santana and Brittany's parents um so yeah that makes more sense because like <laughs> they live together like like my I mean I I haven't had a relationship where I've lived with anybody before. So, but I'm sure that if I did, my parents would at least know. Yeah. Like, (laughs) exactly. maybe they know on, on phone and, and stuff and they know about each other and, but like, just never had a chance in person to me. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I, I find that scene so hard. It's one of those things where like, can we just reject Canon for this? Like, two seconds because it's so stupid that doesn't make any sense but this is I mean, something but, I tend to ignore this yeah. is something and, and I just tend to ignore it's a sentence I, I tend to skip because it, it doesn't make any sense at all yeah and then yeah. she's completely gone all the time and I don't necessarily but I mean I can see them being 
like I can I I don't think people are I don't think his parents went to a lot of his concerts or a lot of whatever um but I really have a hard time believing that he did, that you know even in passing even in on a conversation on the phone um they never you know had a conversation with um uh, the, you know, the, your son's significant other's parents it just seems bizarre to me um and you know oh well um i i think with with um pam like because of the age difference i think she was a lot more relaxed i think um his his parents in general were older because you know they already had an older son um um and uh, so they they weren't like the the twenties helicopter uh, parents. <laughs> uh, no. yeah. yeah, parents in their their twenties or even early thirties that are just like attentive, go to every event, everything, and like are in competition for best best mom. Um, they probably did that for Cooper when he was small. Yeah, yeah. Well, well in like, a different way. I mean, it wasn't like. Cooper spoiled and and pampered, as you said, and and the, so it's like, oh, my baby isn't he so cute? Yes, you get to have this thing. Here you go. And, oh, you're crying. Oh, stop. Here it's, you go, it's honey. The novelty of a of the new yeah. experience of being a parent, and then the second time around, I'm I'm guessing he was a surprise. Yeah, I'm guessing that Cooper was you know enough, and you know, and it's like, oh, hey, we're pregnant again. Oops. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. There's also, um, because Darren is, um, half Filipino there, there's obviously like a lot of, um, like everybody wanted Leia Solange to play his mom. And then the thought that, um, Cooper and, and, um, and Blaine were half brothers because okay. of the age difference was probably yep. a second marriage. So that, that's a, another kind of thought too which would would also like suggest that maybe like that's why he's more um he's closer with his mom than his dad his dad's in a second marriage and that was that, my husband uh, until um the wedding a wedding came on and and we actually met Blaine's mother because that um made everything um yeah <laughs> a mess <laughs> so. you can actually i mean you can definitely make a point for this idea that maybe you know maybe pam had cooper at a young age and she wasn't she didn't even get married to the father like it was just you know which would explain a lot of cooper is too i mean like you know you had to have you know that might be one reason why mm-hmm. you know he's so spoiled it was just the two of them for a long time and then you know she meets this guy who's a rich guy it's Blaine's dad, you know, they're not, you know, super close. It reminds me a little of my aunt and uncle where they're like, they're not like the most lovey dovey couple. Like they're 20 years apart. And, you know, my aunt was a single parent and this guy was going to provide for her and they had enough in common that it was like, yeah, we'll get married. That's fine. Um, and, and, you know, you could make a case for that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, they had Blaine kind of on accident. Um, and so it just, you know, this kind of 
broken family. I mean, it's not a, like a, a family, you know, I, stereotypical ideal, like two par- loving parents and two kids and a dog and a white picket fence. That, I mean, one of the nice things about Glee is that our family relationships are not like that. And so, yeah, you could definitely make a case for this kind of odd little family that Blaine has. Um, it, yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's definitely like credence to that. Like the idea that he, he doesn't come from like the, the, stereotypical nuclear family like make fun of it i'm from one of those so um (laughs) but uh that he there there's some kind of um quote-unquote broken um family aspect and i don't i want to just say that when i say i just to to the audience when i when it broken though i don't mean that yeah no no yeah like because i am from a, a nuclear family but it's a little bit weirder situation um but i don't mean that it's a bad thing because it at all so anyway yeah just say but there i mean issues with his father he obviously has issues with his father like and and um like his relationship with his father and he which kind of you see in like his neediness and his clinginess mm-hmm. and his, his need, need for, for validation mm-hmm. and yeah. And approval. Um, and, and yeah, I think he's closer to his mother, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think Pam was a super, super hands-on. I think she, no. Yeah. It was just more loving than maybe his dad was. And, um, but yeah, Blaine is a character who's kind of, he doesn't trust, like, he doesn't come from a strong family bond the way Kurt does, so he doesn't trust that kind of thing. I mean, I think that it plays into some of his issues that he has with Kurt and not, you know, like, Kurt's going to go away to, to New York and I'm going to be forgotten about because my dad left all the time and I'm mostly forgotten about and Cooper left for L.A. <laughs> yeah. And I'm forgotten about. Um, and so that kind of plays into he doesn't trust that you know people will be there for him um maybe that nice those nice grandparents they were like you know there for him for his first couple of years and then they took off for florida and they've never you know he never sees them again um it's that kind of thing that keeps playing in his childhood at least in my head canon so. yeah <laughs> um, let's talk about cooper for just a little bit um and this <laughs> Cooper. Um, it's amazing you know, he was only in one episode, and like still he is his presence in just in in fandom is huge. And even like the relationship between Darren and um, Matt Matt Bomber is is awesome because like just that one episode. <laughs> Yeah, but, but he was the only family member we knew for years. And so yeah. if you wanted to 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 think about Blaine and family, there was only Cooper to, to latch on to. So I think that's one of the reasons. And then, of course, Matt Bowman. So, yeah, yeah it's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it just, you know, it at least gave us enough that we could form an, a 
a semi-complete picture of what Blaine's life would have been like. I mean, we yeah, did a couple of flashbacks to his childhood and stuff. So, yeah, <clears throat> I think it's interesting that it's 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 been talked about before on on this podcast how like the fan fan fiction of Blaine in season two versus later is mm-hmm. completely different. And one of the things is. Um, in season two, like, we didn't know his family, and he was always portrayed as having younger siblings, it's particularly a younger sister for some, re- for some reason. And, like, then, then what actually happens is that he's the younger brother by a lot, and he has a, an older brother. And, like, in... In uh, third season, Blaine, of what we knew of him in third season and beyond, it makes total sense that he's the younger brother. He is, like, completely younger sibling kind of behavior and, like, baby of the family kind of behavior and attitude. He does. He does have a lot of traits of an only child because he probably was an only child for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And then he's got, you know, he basically had to be his, uh, you know, own parent for a lot of reasons. I'm guessing, you know, I also have a kind of a head canon that his mom's a little bit of a lush, not just because of the like the um, the wedding episode. Yeah, yeah, not just because of that. I mean, Blaine is pretty like, yeah, I'll do alcohol, I'll try alcohol. He probably had it around the house a lot more than yeah, and it's people. like a, a fun thing. So like, I don't think she was like, no, she, she was never negative. like totally. Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily negative. I think it was just she would get tipsy from these like parties that she'd go out. She'd go out with the ladies with Mary Kay and they'd have drinks and brunch and she'd be back and she'd just be like, Oh, I'm in go lady, look, I'm <laughs> Yeah, so ladies great who today. lunch and drink like lots of wine while they do yeah. lunch. <laughs> exactly. So um Yeah. God, that's a very stereotypical like <laughs> Uh, relying on on old uh, stereotypes of of women with money, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I feel like Glee was a relies, very typical yeah, show. Relies so. a lot on stereotypes, so that's why I kind of pull it that way. Um, but yeah, you know, you've got Cooper, you've got this like. I like I said, I don't think Blaine had a lot of friends. Um, I don't know if he was necessarily. How do I put this? I think Blaine has always been charming, and that has been one of his strong suits. Like, he could charm you into, like, being his friend, but he doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily like, you know, you know, your BFFs or your good friends, but, you know, people like Blaine, and he makes, he goes out of his way to make sure that you like him, but it doesn't always necessarily result in, um, long-lasting bonds or, you know, deep connections, um, you know, I'm wondering if they moved around a lot as a kid. He was put into different, like, elementary schools um, for whatever reason. Maybe his dad was a military guy, you know, and went from base to base. And, you know, Blaine could, like, fake it till you make it. And then you'd move on to, you know, another three years later, he's in another place. Um, I don't know. I just, he's not lonely the way Kurt is. But I also don't think that he had, like, a huge group of friends that he was always with. I think that he was by himself a lot. Uh, this this moving around a lot point that you just talked about is a mm-hmm. thing I want to c- 
come to later on when we speak about changing school and things, because there's some very interesting thing I discussed with my better some days ago, hmm. uh, which we both like. Uh, would like to know your your thoughts about. But th- sure. this will be um, a bit later. So because I think okay. it's still in season early, early, early season two or something. Yep, yeah. <laughs> or one. Yeah, yeah I'm doing pretty, like, still yeah, pretty. Yeah, we're still pretty. <laughs> <laughs> season, pretty anything. Um, so. <clears throat> Anyway, I'll go ahead, Carly. Did you have some stuff that you wanted to more about about Cooper? Because I know you have a lot of head cannons for this. Oh well, um, just the the relationship between Blaine and Cooper. I think they were close. I think Cooper was annoyed at having a little brother, but also like loved the novel idea of having this little creature that followed him around everywhere. Um, but hated the responsibility that was foisted on him. Um, I think he he did have a bunch of responsibility and and just like dragged him around, like and made him perform uh, and and things like that. And so, like Blaine was very close to Cooper, and then Cooper left because like. That's what kids do when they're about 18 in America. They, like, most, in small towns, like, at least half of the kids, like, leave and go far um, these days. Um, and he he wanted to be famous actor, so he went to L.A. And I think that really, really, really hurt Blaine. I don't... Yeah like blame Cooper for doing it but I think you know it it really impacted Blaine and like like you said um his feelings of of abandonment because of it um yeah no that's I mean the one of the things I was just thinking about though is like I uh, a couple of things from Big Brother that, that stand out to me. Um, one is that you know they have their um, their Duran Duran impressions that they were known for throughout the neighborhood. They probably, when they were a little younger, you know, Cooper's like, "I want to be a performer." Blaine, come on, we're going to go do this around the neighborhood. And they were just everybody thought they were the most adorable thing when they would like go down the street and they were singing and they put on performances in their front yard and you know they were the most adorable thing. But at the same time. It's like Cooper would be super nice while they're doing the performance. Like, yeah, Blaney, let's do this. We're going to do this. We're going to you know do this. And they do their performance. And then, you know, it's over. And they get the applause and whatever. And then it's back to regular playtime. And Cooper would be like, all right, give me my toy. You know, I'm better. Give me my toy. You don't get to have this. <laughs> and Blaney is like, well, but, you know, I'm playing superheroes. No, you know, you don't get to have that. Like, it's mine. Or, oh, you got a new comic, I'm going to take it. You know, there's still a lot of, like, Cooper first. I'm going to, you know, I'm in charge. I'm the oldest. I'm, you know, better, better looking. They like me more, you know, that kind of dynamic. So it's kind of a weird, weird thing. No offense to any teenage boys listening. I I don't know if there are any. I'm sure there are not any, but anyway. (laughs) But teenage boys are jerks. Like, yep. they're self-centered yeah. jerks. And um, Cooper, in in general, is self-centered 
as a personality trait. And as a teenage boy, I can only imagine he was beyond the pale, self-centered jerk. And uh, showboat um, and use Blaine as a prop. Um, and uh, one thing teenage boys, uh, teenagers in general, but boys especially, like, if something is deemed uncool, they'll, like, mock it relentlessly. <laughs> and here's a, a little brother who is, like, 8 to 10 years younger, and uh, he likes little kid things because he's a little kid. And you have a teenager who thinks little kid things are the lamest things ever. Um, so I, I don't doubt there's a lot of like mocking of him watching lamb chop or, um, playing with superheroes or like, well, and we were talking on shoot. I don't remember what podcast it was. Um, but where we said, you know, Cooper probably was the one who liked more masculine-coded things like superheroes and and action figures and whatever. And Blaine kind of, like, I, I mean, in comparison to Kurt, who, you know, loved musicals as a kid and probably pay, played with Barbie dolls and um, <laughs> had more feminine-coded things in his childhood, Um you know, like the like ballet classes. I'm Blaine probably did not take dance classes as a kid, um, but he was more exposed to stuff, and a lot of that might have been through Cooper. Like Cooper, as a kid, probably had a bunch of comics, and then he got old enough. He's like, "That's not cool anymore." But Blaine picked it up, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, he he definitely had a masculine influence. Well. I hate the whole masculine. Feminine no, I do thing, too. But... That's why I'm saying masculine <laughs> coded and feminine coded. Because yeah, I think. Yeah, that... but like um, the fact I like football too. Like he he had somebody who got him into like watching football and basketball and. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Did he like basketball? I don't know. Um, I also see like I guess. But jumping... he also like he he's a little gymnast. Like, yeah. And um, I, I think a lot of those were self-taught or, like, I, I don't, like, completely masculine code Cooper either because no, he's I very don't. dramatic and very, and I, I think a lot of, a lot of that in Blaine comes from Cooper too, but I guess if on the scale of masculine to feminine, Blaine is more feminine than Cooper, but... Yeah, sometimes um, he's even more feminine than Kurt, but I'm like people don't want to talk about that anyway. Oh, whatever. definitely. <laughs> um, I, the, um, uh, I think there's enforced masculinity from his father. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I I always see uh, that Cooper like. Blaine has this thing that Cooper's always, like, criticizing him. And I, I, I'm just sure that, like, teenage Cooper had comments about this or that that Blaine liked and was passionate about. And Blaine had to, like, rein it in. I mean, and, I mean, 
can you can you imagine Cooper uh, doing a performance with Blaine in the neighborhood where he tries to impress some girl, some teenage girl, and then then uh, perhaps Blaine messes the performance up by misstepping or whatever, and then or the I, or the just, girl likes Blaine more than Cooper. Yeah, after. yeah, this was <laughs> the worst case scenario then, but. Uh, <laughs> So I, I could imagine Cooper afterwards when they were at home saying, okay, next time we do this, don't do that. And we have to do this again and we have to rehearse and you can't just, uh, you know, like embarrass me like this. And so maybe this is where all this, you are not good enough. You have to practice. We are doing this. And and then, of course, the thing he, he um, that probably the girls liked, the, the, the sweet little brother, Maybe more than than Cooper. That would be yeah. yeah. So Cooper mm-hmm. has to has to like point out all of like all, the missteps and yeah. because. <laughs> well, I also think Blaine probably also got used to like Cooper. I know Cooper was like Blaine. There's this girl I like. We're gonna do this song. You're gonna do this right like this, and you're gonna do this how here, and we're gonna go impress her. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's the little bo- little brother prop. That yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also think though probably that. They would be a hit around because Cooper's got issues. You kind of can tell Cooper has parental issues as well. Um, mm-hmm. That um, they did all these these performances around the neighborhood and whatnot, and everybody like loved them. But then they'd be like, "Hey, Dad, let's you know we're going to do this you know Duran Duran thing," and they do it in the living room, and the dad's like, "Yeah, that, that's nice. I don't give a shit. Whatever, move. I got to watch this football game," you know. So, you know, and I don't even know. I mean, that might be something Blaine tries to do. If it's, if it's, I can see Cooper, if that's his stepdad, if Blaine's dad is his stepdad, then Cooper probably wouldn't even care all that much. And Blaine would be like, Cooper, let's do this for dad. And Cooper would be like, no, I don't want to. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. So. All right. Well, let's move forward a little bit. Let's try and get into the series a little bit. I, and I love that. Like, I hate that we don't know more about his his family, but I love it at the same time because there's like a thousand different you know possibilities yeah. of, of what his family life was. Like. Well, that's the, yeah, it is the cool thing because you can basically take like we just took like a bunch of scenarios and and you can explore them in fan fiction and whatnot. And yeah, it's always great to have more stuff in canon, but um, we don't so. Yeah, not, not you could is... you could say that Tony Stark is secretly Blaine's father. Like it makes way more sense. It actually does make a lot of sense. But anyway, there's so many good pics <laughs> about that. But <laughs> I mean, the original Tony Stark, late Tony Stark, would probably not be that way. Um, but anyway, um, kind of. Series a little bit, even though Blaine's not in season one, we can kind of talk about where his life was around that time because I think around that time is when he. How do I? Okay. Um, how do I want to approach this? Basically, he's. he's I had canon that he figured out that he was gay at a young age, or at least that he liked boys at a, at a young age. And you know, he kind of kept it to his, himself because that's, you know, not something you talk about. And he, you know, he would be able to flirt with girls easily enough um, that he could always fake it. I mean, there's all of those fix where Blaine is the one who, like, Kurt's never the one who thinks that he's straight, but Blaine always thinks, maybe I'm straight. Um, 
And then, you know, he's, he decides to go to the Sadie Hawkins dance with a boy and they get beat up and then he decides to go to Dalton. And I think that happens a relatively, so, like, I don't think that the, that, that year was Blaine's first year at Dalton when he meets Kurt. I think it was is going into his second. Um, so the stuff with the Sadie Hawkins might have happened in middle school. And then he would have been a freshman in, in Dalton. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Are there balls like 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 the Sadie Hawkins thing for 14-year-olds when you say it was in middle school? Isn't that a yeah. little too... Really? No, okay. could have it. Yeah. I mean, I had middle school dances. I don't know. Maybe it's... Yeah, there is a couple questions that like uh, fandom has tried to figure out with around that. Like the, the timing... Um, uh, it seems like I don't. I don't know. I think it's the idea of like what the severity of being beaten up was like, because I don't think a lot of people can wrap their heads around a bunch of middle schoolers like beating up enough to like hospitalize. See, I can, but like, that's, <laughs> I guess that's I don't. I don't know, like thirteen, twelve, and thirteen-year-olds enough. My um, my youngest brother was picked on a lot, all the way. I mean, from elementary school, um, all the way through high school, and he ended up being. He was a bigger kid, so like, um, if like he, he, if he you know, I think he punched a kid once, and they kind of left him alone after that, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, middle school I, students, I think, are the worst. And I think those are the... Oh, you know, that's I, the... I, I totally agree with that for, like... But I think it's, like, mostly verbal. And yeah. <clears throat> at least from, I guess like, I just what I agree. experienced. Like, yeah. I, I... Enough to, like, be hospitalized is, like... Oh, I guess. But, um... Well... There hasn't really been said. The hospitalization is more canon, isn't it? That or more fandom, but um, more random anyway. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But um, um, enough. I mean, it was vicious enough that he was he he transferred, or mm -hmm. at least it was like it built up enough that he he wanted to transfer. And um, yeah, uh, but, but isn't Dalton Dalton is a high school? So when mm -hmm. he transferred to Dalton, he has to, uh, then he, he was at a high school before. So, so he could have been in, in his that, freshman uh, year. Yeah. That the Sadie Hawkins dance happened in his high school time, maybe freshman yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it happened early in freshman, like maybe the Sadie Hawkins, which, by the way, just as a side note, and, and Carly, I don't know if it was different over on the East Coast, but um, Sadie Hawkins is a little bit of an outdated notion. It's an eighties ish thing. Maybe not like when I, by the time I was in high school, which was in the late nineties, like it, there were, you know, girls didn't have to like ask boys, you know, first, you know, it was anybody could ask anybody at any <laughs> point. There was not really this kind of like coded, you know, only boys can ask girls to a dance or something true, like that. But we still had Sadie Hawkins dances. Hmm. Like, I, you know, we just, I don't know. It was because different themes, and it was a type of theme. I I guess back in the day, it used to be like 
it was a winter dance all the time. And, like, I don't, I don't know if, like, because I, I looked it up on Wikipedia. It used to be, like, it was the February dance. Or it had a specific date, time period in the year that it was. Um, but at our school, it was, like, yeah we need a theme for dance. Let's make it a Sadie Hawkins dance. And it was just kind of like a cute, like, Oh, it's the girls who, who ask, even though like girls can ask at other times too, mm-hmm. but like in middle school or even early, well, middle school, mostly nobody asked anybody. We all stood on opposite sides of the gym and like didn't even <laughs> dance where we were just awkward, like little jerks. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, we we had Sadie Hawkins dance, if only by name. Yeah, and, like it's more of a I thematic a, thing. Yeah, I have a feeling that it was kind of like that too. That it, oh yeah, yeah, it was a it was the Sadie Hawkins theme dance. It, it didn't it, like did really mean that like all of the other dances were were boys ask girls because. Interesting though that they specifically had a Sadie Hawkins dance where Blaine asked a boy because it, it again it goes to they do this all the time it drives me crazy that they code either they did it for Kurt um, a lot in the early seasons where the like he's feminine coded and um, it, it they're like you know they play to the fact that they're were gender roles in these same-sex relationships when there's there's not. There's just not a thing, um, which is really weird when I think about it. I don't know. It just, it the interesting to me that they decided to choose Sadie Hawkins' dance for this particular dance. And they didn't say, like, winter homecoming or, like, prom or, I mean, I guess they'd be too young for prom. But they, maybe they just mm-hmm. needed to label the dance. But I don't know. Well, so, so going back to the timing, um, in 2009, the the episode, um, mm-hmm. he is at Dalton. Oh, right. At the beginning of the it's school year. Yeah. Yeah. For so, so if we go by that, which I don't know, it's canon. We should. Um, he was a freshman in 2009 at Dalton and had just transferred there or had just gone there. Um, some people have the canon that he was he was uh hurt so bad at Sadie Hawkins that he had to redo a year those are a lot of people who don't accept that he's younger than Kurt see and I I don't know (laughs) I I can see that he's younger than Kurt well and just that and we can argue about semantics all day. Not you guys specifically, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Darren play, started playing him younger. I mean, Darren came into the role. He said this is... A, they said to him, he's an older mentor, so he played it older. And then around season three, once he got the junior line, even though it was a little silly, Darren started playing him younger. And... <laughs> um, you know what? We're just going to go with it because that's what Candy wanted, even if it doesn't make the most sense. It's Glee... We cannot do, you know, it's just glee. <laughs> There's sometimes you're just going to, you know. Concerning the, the age, Blaine's age, when Jeremiah uh, uh, tells him, uh, calls him underage, what mm-hmm. would that mean? Younger than 16 in America? 17. Oh, God. Eight, 17. Eight, 18. 18. 18. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, under 18. I thought it was 16 because that's, this is the age for, for sexual uh, consents uh for yeah for consents for sexual interaction in in germany mm -hmm. so they, why, why i thought okay then it was 15 then it would make sense but if you say it's younger than 17 or 18 then yeah you can also uh consider the skipping a year uh theory yeah it still makes yeah sense. yeah for well, his age the thing i go by well yeah there is that um but it's 18 um in the u.s and well it depends state by state, but most states it's 18, some it's 17. Um, like that's why porn is like under 18 is, is kitty porn or, <laughs> uh, but, um, uh, so yeah, there's that. There's also when, uh, Sue is harassing him, he says something about, um, he's, they're ruining my parents' credit. So, like, I, for some reason, in in my mind at that time, I thought, oh, that means that he's still under his parents. Um, so he's under eighteen then, which mm -hmm. I I don't think anymore. I think I don't know why he said ruining my parents' credit. Like, I, well, okay. The problem I keep running into when I watch <laughs> these later seasons is that, you know, they keep Blaine as a senior for a year and a half, and Darren is close to pushing 30 at that point. Yeah. It's hard to reconcile the fact that this this guy, this older, you know, guy at this point is playing this supposedly 17-year-old. It's just, it throws me anyway. But I just had canon that he's a year younger than than Kurt, and Kurt was born in 1993, and you can do the math that way. But that's just, you know. Yeah. So, Blaine was born in 94, and you can do whatever you want with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, but for the timing for for transferring yeah he he said he transferred so maybe like he he started like in september and the dance was like the the first dance of the year it's going to be a Sadie Hawkins dance or something and well it could have been happened right then um you know it could have been like eighth grade and you know he has this dance at the end of the year too where he and he decided i mean because it doesn't say that dalton is explicitly nine through twelve a lot of times like some schools like that will be seven through twelve um yeah that's true too so mm -hmm. um i can see him being in eighth grade you know he he's out for the rest of the year <clears throat> uh, maybe like he gets he passes his classes he's homeschooled for the rest of that year and then he gets transferred over or he goes to Dalton right that you know he, he I don't I'm not of in camp he was hospitalized for a long time um I think that he was beaten up pretty badly stayed home for a few weeks transferred over to because I don't think Blaine showed up at that school again I think he sorry I'm trying to eat my breakfast as I talk I'm sorry um <laughs> Uh, and uh, he ends up at Dalton at the end of that eighth grade year. And then as a freshman, he's like, okay, I'm going to be out and proud. These people accept me. And then, you know, because that, that conversation he has in 2009 is, you know, isn't it so nice to be out and proud? And the other guy's like, what? I'm not gay. He's like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm not so so um, familiar with all these school dance things because this isn't the thing we have in Germany um, that much. We only have uh, a, a kind of big school dance after graduation, and that's it at school. So other types of dances would happen in in uh, dance schools where you just learn all these classic. Uh, dances like waltz and foxtrot and whatever so there would be balls or, or dances but not at school so i have to rely completely on you guys considering those dance <laughs> what do high so, school students do for fun do they have school like school related activities I or does school in, just school in europe think, school I is think, just school and like activities are outside of the school yeah in, in general from what it, i found like it's not so much related to school and and if if they want to go to to dance then they don't go to school dance they go to some place where there's music and like when there's a fair uh, in the city and and there there's music and and something like that but they, they wouldn't yeah in the in the oh. U.S., it's a tendency to, like, have everything for for kids based in the school yeah. so that, like, kids yeah, aren't, quote-unquote, on the streets. <laughs> but it's also, so, like, we don't have community things in the same way that I think Europe has. Yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't really have, like, so, so we don't have community centers and community, like, sports centers and community, like, music <laughs> schools. Yeah, we have that a lot, we, so that's... We have all of that in the school. Like you, you take lessons at the school in our in our mm -hmm. school bands. You're you do sports through the school. You do and um, like my middle school, we had like school dances about every other month or every. <laughs> I know every... it was a lot. Well, I don't know why it was so many. And and what they would do at our school, like we we had a big gymnasium that like had a you could put a barrier in the middle and they, they would close it off. So one side would like have music and like literally nobody would dance. Like everybody stood along the walls in, in middle school. And then on the other side, um, they would have open and people would play basketball. Hmm. <laughs> um, in, in high school, people danced. Um, they would like turn the, lights down low it was kind of like a, a nightclub almost kind of and, <laughs> yeah, and nobody like most of the dances like most of the dances nobody dressed up you just wore like jeans and mm -hmm. and um like jeans and t-shirt or like maybe you dressed up a little like like going out clubbing yeah. um yeah we're going really out to, um yeah, it was, yeah, we danced in high school um, more, but it wasn't, like, um, old-fashioned dancing. It was, like, they no. they would play, like, nightclub music or, like, <laughs> DJ music. and Well, it's always the pop music. Like, it was always, like, yeah. Britney Spears or Backstreet Boys or something like that. I mean, not really music you dance to anyway, but <laughs> um, I remember that Aerosmith came out with the Armageddon song, in, in my uh, junior year of high school and like that was the slow dance we all danced to but <laughs> it was all, we never really took dates either it was not a um like oh my gosh unless you're dating unless you were dating somebody yeah unless you were dating somebody but that didn't it wasn't as prominent as like these high school shows make them yeah people were hooking up with each other and stuff but it was not like the but be all had, and end all 
We had one dance a year that was the formal. Like mm-hmm. we had the the fresh sophomore freshman formal and junior prom and senior ball. Like each each group had their own like formal dance where you did get a date, you did dress up, you like like you see in the movies yeah. basically. Um, anyway, let's um that's so, that's what the US dance experience is like <laughs> for those who don't know. <laughs> um, At least in my experience. <laughs> now, Carly, did you grow up in Boston? No. I'm just curious. Um, okay. Upstate New York. Oh, okay. Right, so your your experience is probably a little closer to mine. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, like Western New York is is has a, lot, like, a, Midwest, a similar actually. like Midwest, yeah. Okay, so kind of let's talk about the warblers and and what Blaine's life would have been like at Dalton. Yay! Uh, <laughs> so I, I know lots of inter- people. Um, we we discussed it last podcast I was on, and a little you you mentioned it a little that like he didn't really have friends, and like you kind of see this in the warblers, like he. He has his warbler brothers, and like they're they're close, but he he's always like outside of performances and singing and 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 stuff. He's usually alone mm. or with Kurt only. But you only know him when he knows Kurt already. So when Kurt yeah the onto the stage, nobody else was visible for Blaine anymore, probably. So he only saw well, Kurt. Abandoned the other thing, too, is that I think people need to keep in mind um, that we saw season two is th- through Kurt's point of view. Uh-huh. So Kurt was alone, except for with Blaine. Um, now, I, I agree. Like, I made the point originally in that other podcast or whatever that I, I still don't think Blaine was terribly close to his other Warbler people. But um, I do think that in some ways he got along with them as a group. Mm-hmm. Again, he was like really charming and really, you know, likable, but he wasn't one to really get close to anybody, um, except for Trent. I, and it's my own headcanon. I don't even care. You guys can totally disagree with me. <laughs> uh, he and Trent were, were decently close. So, or Trent basically worshiped the ground that. <laughs> so, I can live um, with that. <laughs> And sad, sad, like, but, but just the fact, like, in season three, when he leaves and just, like, if it, I mentioned it in the last podcast, when he goes back and sings at, um, Uptown Girl and gives the tickets for West Side Story, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then they walk away, like. They they're happy to see him, but they nobody like really like engages with him. Well, they want him I back mean, to I win mean, competitions. They, they, <laughs> they like they did that because Blaine needed to talk to Sebastian. But like, just I I never saw evidence of him being like really really close with any of them, except Trent, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can disagree with me. That's fine. <laughs> um, I just love Trent. I think he is the most amazing, sweet little goober um, that he is like the ball of sunshine that, you know, so 
Um, but yeah, I mean, just like looking at eventually how he is going to have a friendship with Sam. I don't think he has a close one close friend that like they pal around. And I really like <sighs> it, I, my own head cannon for this, you know, season before or this, you know, school year before Kurt comes along is that Blaine's perfectly happy being one of the guys. Like he shows up for practices and he kind of listens to them tell their stories and they'll talk about girls and they'll talk about sports and he's cool just hanging there. And he, he doesn't necessarily need to have, you know, one close person that he's with all the time. I don't think it is until Kurt comes along that he really realizes like, Oh, this person's special and I can have a best friend and I can have, you know, because like, look at again with his relationship with his parents and, and his relationship with Cooper, it's it's at a distance, and so that's the way he's used to having relationships is at a distance. You know, you don't get close. You know, mm-hmm. people are there and then they're not there, and if you get close, you get hurt. So that's my just. I, I think it's interesting, like the whole being gay at um, at Dalton thing. Um, it. In the early years, when, when um, season two was freshly on, it was it was like gay Hogwarts, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the idea that everybody's gay, being gay is perfectly okay, and everybody's openly gay and everything. But like we kind of get a different story in season six about um, about Dalton, and even like about Blaine's time in Dalton. Because mm-hmm. we have, like, um, him when he's teaching at Dalton and, like, all of the kids are, are like, stereotypically, flamboyantly gay-seeming. Um, and he, he says, and, and they're all like, how dare you? I We have girlfriends, like, when he says, you're all gay, right? Um, so, like, just... And, and and then in um, 2009, when he says, isn't it great that we can all be openly gay here? And he um, is shut down by the guy he's eating with um, saying, oh, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. Um, I think that's kind of like what what Dalton actually was like. It, it's a place you can be openly gay. You can like everybody's friendly, but. At the same time, everybody's like, but I'm not gay. Like, Dill feels guarded. And Blaine, luckily, isn't in that place where he feels guarded and is saying, like, is denying who he is. But he he probably feels lonely in the fact that, like, <laughs> at least his gaydar is telling him that these other people are like him but aren't. You know, and are are accepting of him being gay, but aren't being open about it themselves. Yeah, but, but I'm I'm not gay myself, and I only can you know like like guess. Of course, I can't speak from experience, but I think as a, a young person that uh, assumes or or just. Um, figure out uh, their sexuality, even if they are in an open environment where they can uh, openly say, I am gay, it still takes some confidence and struggles probably to 
um, to to um, just looking for the word. Um, just a moment. It's okay. Take your time. <laughs> to admit it to themselves that they're mm. actually gay, like you said, that Blaine probably first wasn't as sure about his being gay as Kurt, uh, for example, has been. And so there might be people struggling uh, with a with a with a, the thought of being gay, even when they're in a in a in a welcoming environment. So that doesn't mean that the environment itself just um, seems to be open, but but isn't. You know what I mean? Well, and I, I guess I feel like I have a little bit. It's kind of this Doyleist versus Watson thing, Watsonian thing, and and, and to define that um, because not everybody knows what that is. It's like how do you look at a story? You can look at it two different ways. You can look at it from the character's point of view, where you're in the story, or you can look, which is the Watsonian point of view, and then the Doyleist is if when you're the author and you're looking from that. And I always have a tendency to look at Glee from the Doyleist perspective of, you know, when Glee when they originally wrote Dalton. It was kind of this paradise where guys, like, you know, if you have a normal boarding school, it's not going to be the most accepting, wonderful thing. But this particular one was, you know, there's no bullying and we're all friendly and we're going to get along and et cetera, et cetera. But then season six, I just look at that as that they're trying to be satirical of those what people originally thought of as Dalton. Because <laughs> um, I think originally in season two, I think there is still, you know, these characters are normal people. But when you get into season six, they are. <clears throat> oh, I'm so sorry. Hold on. <clears throat> they're um, satirical characters. They're not. They're kind of like Sue. They're they're not real people anymore. Um, it's it's just jokes and comedy at that point. So I can't take it seriously as a, um, yeah, a from a Watsonian like, point of view. That but that's just me. So yeah, a lot of like uh, a lot of season six is like this, and that's what I don't like uh, about season six. All this satirical, overly satirical stuff. So yeah, I I agree. Um. I agree to a point. Um, yeah, but I mean, for, I'm not saying your headcanon is wrong at all. I'm just saying that's no, I, I have a different perspective. Yeah, I I just think like um, in general, Blaine Blaine was still like the only out. Yeah, I agree. Person, that, yeah. like he, I think it was lonely. Even even if he had like people who were accepting of him around him, like yeah, absolutely. He, if if you're the only one out, or even if um, even if you, whether or not the, the people around you seem to be in the closet or not, um, he, he still like has that one saying that nobody else like is, is relating to him with. And I, I think he was lonely, just as lonely as Kurt at, at that time. And that's why he like glomped onto Kurt when Kurt came to, mm -hmm. um, because he saw a lot of himself in Kurt and felt like of use to to be this mentor kind of figure. Um. Well, I mean, do you guys should we jump into season two and and talk about Kurt and? Yeah. Okay. So one thing, let's talk about right before Kurt comes in, the beginning of that school year. 
Uh-huh. I do think that Blaine is in a relatively good place, though. I think, in, uh, unlike mm-hmm. Kurt, who is, you know, <laughs> just at the pits of despair and just miserable with his reality, I think Blaine is relatively happy. He's got a nice group of friends. He's got a place where he feels safe. You know, he he doesn't have the greatest relationship with his family, but they're there. They're you know they're not poor. They're not hurting. And, you know, it's like you don't miss what you don't know you have. Um, and then here comes this lovely magical creature that, you know, and and for the first time, Blaine's like, I can help this kid. I, You know, he's going through what I'm going through. And he's having a hard time. And I can, you know, I can help him. I can be his white knight. I can, you know, do all of these things for him. And I think that is where we are starting, where we, when we meet Blaine, that's kind of the Blaine that we start with that makes sense mm-hmm. of course Blaine is a genuinely kind person as you said before he's charming and he likes to please people and he's genuinely kind so if you see someone suffering uh, like Kurt does in when they meet of course he tries to help him and and be a friend to him and, and support him and kind of mentor him yeah that that is just who Blaine is. Now, okay, so since this is a podcast about talking about the in-between parts of this, um, let's think about, um, I wrote, by the way, it's out there. Um, gosh, I, gotta, I should probably look it up and see what the name of it is. I did write a fic about, and I know a lot of people have, about the moments right before um, Kurt shows up. And I just like that, you know, he was having a fun little day and like the warblers were all getting ready for competition and talking about, you know, singing Carrie Patey. Oh God, I screwed that up. Katy Perry. And, and I, I like the idea that of Lane just, you know, he's, he's happy and in a happy place when he meets Kurt, but yet he didn't know that he could be even happier going forward. That's just you know, mm-hmm. my lovely head cannon. But let's talk about, okay, so he meets Kurt and what happens afterwards? Like what, you know, what is Blaine up to? Like he decides to start texting Kurt. I mean, I'm, I, I get the impression that he makes it a point to reach out to Kurt more than Kurt, like contacts him. Yeah. They, they invited him for coffee. Didn't they? So, yeah, and they sit together with with uh, Wes and and David. So he was invited. So Blaine has reached out to him and invited him for coffee. It isn't the same day he is at school. It is some other day. Yeah, and it's it's definitely a different day. Like, um, is that the first time we go to Lima Bean in the series? this is it in the Lima Lima Bean? Bean. It's a it's, it's a Dalton. Yeah, yeah, it's a Dalton. No, well, didn't they go to Lima Bean later in the episode too? Mm-mm. Oh, I'm thinking it's something else. It's much later when they mentioned that Blaine uses um, usually goes to Lima Bean after Wobbler practice, but this is in I think when when they meet with Rachel in in. Uh, in blame it on the alcohol. That's where they mentioned that blame uses to go to lima bean after, after. When is the first time they show lima bean in the show? I swear it's with Kurt and Blaine though. Like when Rachel 
When Rachel called. No, it's before the silly love songs. They were there. Ah, when they meet. Oh, no, yeah. Meet the Valentine's Day episode. That's that. Oh, no. And then there's. Hey, yes. Yes. This, in, um, in Sue Sylvester Shuffle, they're there because they're talking about how, you know, the, they have to do the football exchange. And, and so there's they're, that. They're sexy, too. Yeah, but but blame it on the oh, no, sorry. Um, the Sue <laughs> Sylvester Shuffle is two eleven, then two huh. ten. Okay, so they're in special. I'm trying to think if he's not in fart. Yeah. That then, is afterwards. Um, the special education <laughs> stuff where they're on the date is like with Mercedes yeah, is right. is at breadsticks. Mm-hmm. That's seven, eight, nine. Maybe it's nine because there's one scene and I don't remember where this is where Sue shows up. At the lima bean to talk to Kurt, and Kurt's like, "We're not in cahoots," and she's like, "Oh!" And then she puts all that crap in the, her drink. That's sexy. That's sexy. Okay, that's sexy. So I'm trying. I guess the Sousa because the Christmas episode doesn't have anything. So it's got to be unless I'm blanking yeah, on something that happens in yeah. um in special education in episode nine. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything in there, but I don't think there is. So, the, yeah, their first lima bean scene, I think, is in the Sue Sylvester Shuffle when they meet Rachel and Mercedes for coffee. Interesting. I'll have to do some research on that. I do not remember when the first instance yeah. of the lima bean is. Yeah. Hmm. But it's definitely it's definitely Blaine and Kurt's place. More oh, than yeah. any like. I don't even know if any other characters like well Sebastian and, and Santana meet there, don't they? To well, no, their their stuff is in um, the the band room because it's the two cellos scene. No, didn't they meet another time in? I I don't know. That could have been like a something else, but um. Sidetracked, but That's but okay. yeah, they, no, I'm sorry. I got that. I'm the one that did that one. I'm very sorry. Um, so, okay. um, never been kissed. They, they, yeah, he comes back to, um, he's well, somehow Blaine gets Kurt's number or figures out how to contact Kurt after he sees him at the, um, when he performs. Maybe Katie he looked Perry. him up on Facebook and contacted him there. Yeah, you know, these millennials—they're so—they're so, they're so uh, <laughs> good at that stuff. Is Dalton close to Lima, or isn't it? Because it's a boarding school. So, does Blaine live there, or uh, the, is Dalton just very close to Lima, and he doesn't have to board there, or because they are so often in Lima and in the Lima Bean that would. Uh, uh, yeah, the the distances not too far away. The distances in in Glee are messed up. Yeah, they. <laughs> I think they ignore the fact that Lima is what an hour away from Columbus and Westerville, where Dalton is supposed to be. Um, but. I did have like a neighbor who went to a uh, um, a private school up in the nearest city to us, which was also like forty five minutes an hour drive away. 
So, I mean, it is possible that, um, that he, that, that Blaine actually lived in Lima, but commuted to, um, Dalton or, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> the, the fun thing is, I just realized uh, a few days ago that Blaine's room that we know from the first time, I think this is the first time we see Blaine's room, um, so his, his room uh, is actually in Lima. So the house where his room is in is actually in Lima because in season five, when he calls uh, Kurt in Puppet Master, when he can't make it to New York, he says, I, I am not in New York. I'm still here in Lima. And he sits on his bed in his room. Yeah. So uh, he could be living in Lima and just going to school in Westerville. I know in, in Europe... Like, you don't really have that where somebody goes to school in a different city and commutes like that. Usually you go to school at your city. Uh, so if you go to, like, like a high, our high school equivalent, you have to commute. Because not every city has their own, uh, like, um, uh, we, we call it... Um, yeah, weiter für unsere Schule, so which is uh, to until 12th, 10th or 12th or 13th grade. Uh, but so they have to commute. But usually it's not more than 30 minutes with a bus, perhaps. Yeah, so it's not that well, far away. What about uh, for private schools? Do you have any like gymnasium, right? Uh, but, but those are not private. Uh, we don't have many private schools. Usually our schools are uh, like like. Um, uh, state schools and even if they are not uh, for example my my daughter has gone to an all-girls school that was run by by nuns which sounds uh, maybe a little bit um very churchy and very uh, um um close-minded but they were very um good school and they had they're very open mm -hmm. they had Muslim uh, uh, students and uh, Jewish students, so it was not just a Catholic thing or something like this. They were very open for all kinds of, of girls going to their school, and they had a very um, uh, um, modern teaching methods and everything, so it was a very good school. And they were kind of private because it was run by, not by the state, but still it was... Uh, you, you don't have to pay for such a school. It's still like uh, for you as a student, it doesn't make a uh, difference if you go to, to this school or to a normal state-run school so because it's um, you don't have to pay anything for it. And it has the same uh, like like a teaching schedule and everything. So it's it's very different from the from the American school system with with. Uh, common, uh, how do you say, uh, um, community schools or private schools. So it's very different. Yeah. Because there's not that big of a difference between a private school and a, and a community school. So <clears throat> what, what concerning the quality of the, of the teaching or whatever. So it doesn't, it isn't that big of a difference. Mm. Yeah. So interesting. My, my, my town was probably about the size of Lima. Um, and we're, we're close to Rochester, New York, um, but about like 30, 40 miles away from Rochester. And I had a um, neighbor who 
muted to to a high school in Rochester because we didn't have any um, uh, Catholic high schools nearby um, mm-hmm. uh, or any private high schools for that matter nearby um, in our town. So he he had problems in our high school with like bullying actually. <laughs> so he um, transferred to a Catholic high school up in um, in Rochester and um, made the commute. That was like four or uh, fifty minutes, almost an hour away every day. Are we um, talking about the possibility of Blaine living far away from? Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Of course, I think from Lima to Westerville, it's closer to two hours, so it's probably not. Well, um, and I also think that Glee thought that Westerville and Lima were like, you know, like St. Paul and Minneapolis, just there. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like I said earlier, when, when, when Blaine uses to, to visit the Lima Bean after warbler practice, even if he lived at Dalton, he had to... Yeah, I don't know. I I usually go with the with the head cannon that he lived at Dalton that he boarded there, but um yeah, coming to to Lima every day, every weekend, uh, every afternoon is yeah, <laughs> contradictory. Yeah, that's why also, I think it's more the the they just don't uh, have the distances right and clear. Yeah. They They'll just have to ignore that fact. So, oh yeah, like how they can magically get to New York when it's yeah. a thousand miles away, but whatever. Um, the other, did you guys mention about um, about whether or not you thought that uh, Dalton was a boarding school or not? Yeah, it's never actually said that it's a boarding school. Um, no, I mean, uh, I, I I'm guessing it's more of a like a private school, a, a, a local school, not not a boarding school, because, well, I don't really know that, I don't know Ohio very much, but there's not, like, outside of um, New England, I don't think there are a lot, of, there are not a lot of boarding schools in the U.S., I mean. Yeah, not really, no. It's not the way, like, when you think of English culture, for example, that, like, everybody yeah. goes to boarding school. It, in the U.S., there really isn't. I mean, I feel like that even it's just more it, of an East Coast In New Coast England, thing too. there are, yeah. yeah. Um, in, but they, they've also set up Dalton to be, like, like set up kind of in the style of uh, a New England boarding school or private school. Mm-hmm. But another okay. thing is, boarding schools usually don't have uniforms. I've I've found in the U.S. at least. Oh yeah, it's more of a private school. That's even more so of a like a I like do a lot of private schools do that or more religious like Catholic based schools no, do. But yeah, not- even even regular private schools like. In New York City, especially, like a lot of the private schools um, in the city, none of them are boarding schools, but most of them have uniforms, and most this of them typ- aren't Catholic. Yeah, and this is a typical British thing: the uniforms, the school uniforms. We don't have that in Germany either. We we have it um, actually. Most the. The traditional blazer and tie and um, kilt for girls is more of a Catholic uniform. 
a lot of the the uniforms around the country are mostly like polo shirts and khakis nowadays. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. I've been to a high school uh, in a student exchange in 1980. Oh God, should I really say it? Uh, <laughs> that's how old I am. In 1982 in Iowa, in Bettendorf. And uh, they didn't have a uniform. It was a, 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 but it was a community high school. It was a just a regular. But they. I actually think there are more more um, schools that have uniforms nowadays than used to. So it's a it's a it's a modern thing. Well, especially uh, more cities. Uh-huh. More yeah, more cities than um, rural or even suburban. Well, suburban depending on how close they are to the city and how large the city is that they're close to. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, more urban thing for, for schools to have uniforms. And like I said, the uniforms are more khakis and polo shirts. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, now that I'm back, sorry, I decided to trust you. <laughs> sorry, that's a uh, sidetrack. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. Um, all right. So, We're kind of talking about um, kind of this time period. I'm kind of looking at all of this time that happens between, let's say, silly love songs. I feel like silly love songs kind of takes a left turn. Um, All of this early stuff with with Cart and Blaine. And I think it's interesting. Between, we we meet Blaine in, um, sorry to interrupt you, Never Been Kissed. And when was the next? I mean, he he pops up a couple times. Yep. He okay. So he pops up. This is kind of the timeline we're working with. We've got never been kissed. He's introduced. Then in the substitute, they go on that double. That it's not really. It's a date with Mercedes. Yeah. It's that you know, and they but Kurt also uh, says that they go to the the rent and they're they're hanging out a lot, and that's why Mercedes feels left uh-huh. out because they're like he and Blaine are immediately you know together and then we get Furt which Blaine is not a part of um but that's when that's when Kurt transfers and then we get special education Blaine is in and then the Christmas episode that Blaine is in a Sue Sylvester shuffle that Blaine is in and then silly love songs where things start to to yeah there's something more specific I want to talk about when we get to that part of it but this early part um, there's only one episode between when Kurt transfers and when they meet. He meets Blaine. It's that it's that substitute episode. So you, but there's a lot of, you know, they Kurt and Blaine meet, and then suddenly Blaine is just like, yeah, I'm gonna help this guy. I'm gonna talk to this guy, and they must just hit it off so well that they're like, yep, let's hang out together. We don't even go to the same school at this point, but let's go to this musical together. I mean, they're kind of semi-dating even though these idiots don't know that they're doing that. Well, Kurt kind of knows, but (laughs) Blaine's the idiot. (laughs) So. Um, It it goes back to my my thinking that, like, yes, he has uh, friends. It in the warblers and at Dalton and he's happy there, but like he, he's missing somebody that like meets his wavelength. I think Mm -hmm. like from, from different things throughout the series, I think he has like a healthy online presence and. Oh yeah. The show choir blogs. 
the show choir blogs and even meeting Eli on, on Facebook and like, um, I talking about researching on online when he talks to, to Bert in, mm-hmm. in sexy that I, I think he has like, he's maybe it's me projecting onto him because I have a healthy online like presence and Google sense and, you know, community on Tumblr and stuff. But I feel like he, he's has that. And he like has, he's in different blogs um, and forums and probably on Reddit and has a Twitter and Facebook pages and, and, and it's like looking up things and probably has like, you know, online friends that he he knows things from and learns things from but um and that's where he gets like his like geeking out about um patty lapone or um things that he he probably doesn't have in person until he meets kurt Mm -hmm. and and so that's why he like latches on and like oh spends all of my time going to like I have somebody I can go to Broadway shows with. I have somebody I can like geek out about this about like he, he has his people who he can go to football games with and like, you know, do the, the, the other stuff of his, he probably has people at Dalton who are, you know, um, superhero geeks and, and stuff like Mm. that. But, but, um, I think he, he there's a lot of his passions that he doesn't have that that Kurt really like fills and and that's why he like he also tends to like jump in really quick to to friendships when he starts to get along with somebody mm-hmm. like go from zero to a hundred like he did with Sam too like they like you know we're friendly barely talked and then all of a sudden they're like blam. Well, okay, so you brought up a really interesting thing about, because I now have this whole head canon about Blaine's on life, <laughs> online life, where he, like, he's the one who's got, like, 2,000 Facebook friends, or it's, like, hit the limit of, like, Facebook friends, and, like, um, he's the one that's, like, always on the show corner blogs, and I know that Kurt has a blog and does, like, the Project Runway stuff, but I can t- totally see it, like, when they're older, and Blaine is still, like, on these, like, you know, he's on, you know, the uh, Avengers Discord and he's like talking about like, no, you are wrong on the Internet. And then Kurt, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? This guy's wrong oh on the Internet. And he having, totally does. <laughs> and he's like 35 and having an argument with a 19 year old. And Kurt's like, just why are you bothering? And because <laughs> they're wrong on the Internet. I can just totally see Blaine getting totally into that. But yeah, show choir blogs. Oh, <laughs> this this uh, uh, sounds very familiar to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably experienced all the key stuff. So that's why I'm like, am I projecting? Or <laughs> I, I mean, we could, be, but there's nothing to say. No, I, well, and there's enough. You know, Blaine is. I mean, he dresses up as Nightbird. Come on. I mean, he's in every freaking club. He talks about Facebook and other social media all the time. So yeah, I don't think we're completely projecting, but I do think that he's all kind of so. Yeah, he's over overly anal and and organization and like detail. He has a binder and a clipboard for like 
for organizing things. He he has an online like he has tabs like me right now. I have thirty tabs open. He he has oh, that. That gives me anxiety. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> he's organizing everything and like researching things to death. Mm. <laughs> like he's yeah. he's totally online all the time. Oh yeah. So and that even when Sebastian says, you know, I haven't seen you online, buddy. Like he's got an online presence in a way that I don't think Kurt has. Um, yeah. Or understands keeps, really. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, Kurt says, you know, that he does have like his project runway blog and whatever, and probably does things professionally more so um, than socially where Blaine is social. And, and I, yeah, I just love this idea of later on when Kurt's like, what are you doing? I'm yelling at a 19 year old in Finland about this <laughs> thing. <laughs> You're like, You're 40, go to bed. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, that's, I don't know. That Thanks for bringing that up. That's was a really fun little rabbit hole. I can see. Um, but, um, so yeah, kind of, I, I like this idea of like, the, the stuff that we don't see in these episodes is the, all of the, you know, texting back and forth. They're probably texting a lot. They probably go on this rent date, which is adorable and, and like get coffee um, it does beg the question. Okay. So this is the next little thing that I want to jump to where and when does Blaine even have time to meet Jeremiah? My headcanon is that they met at, uh, the Christmas special that Jeremiah was somehow involved there and they met there and maybe, uh, shared a car there and that's how it started. And so yeah, Jeremiah... Him as a, as a fic where like Jeremiah is like on crew for that or oh interesting I always figured that Blaine just like met him at the gap buying socks that he never wears um <laughs> and not that Blaine really wears gap clothes but um no that's cool I mean I don't have really any but, if, candidate, but so. if, if Blaine would only have met him at the gap and that invited him to coffee that should have rang all of uh, Jeremiah's alarm alarm bells so um, Jeremiah does not seem like he's the most brightest bulb in the box so. <laughs> nah, no no <laughs> he has more a, hair than brains yeah <laughs> a completely different environment would make much more sense and then the coffee would go just yeah would be a part of it so having sitting together and talking and having a coffee together just as part of the uh, performance experience or whatever they do there and then so for 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 jeremiah it would be just another like um person he he works with on this uh, special event or mm-hmm. performance and blaine would read a lot into him sitting down with him to drink a coffee or something so that would make sense for me why they they have such a different perception of this situation like having coffee together yeah, well, and I also can kind of see it as being, a, and as an, because it was supposed to be kind of a nod to the Kurt stuff, um, where maybe like the Jeremiah is just, you know, openly talking about how he's, oh no, he said nobody really knows that I'm gay. So how the <laughs> hell would Blaine know? I was, uh, no, I had that headcanon, like, again, being totally online, Blaine. Um, he, he met on like a, a forum for Ohio or, local like young gay men or grinder i'm kidding <laughs> or like a yeah something like a, well not like a sexual but like a, a social social like, thing 
do do those exist anymore? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> like just you know, um, where where people can actually talk about it or like. Um, well, here's a question I'm gonna throw out there because based kind of stemming from this Jeremiah stuff, do we think that Blaine pre Kurt went on any dates? With men? I mean, like, did he... I mean, he had, you know, his Sadie Hawkins experience. But between that and between <laughs> actually making out with Kurt in original song, or even a backup to the Jiraiya stuff, did Blaine have any... Uh, did he date anybody? I don't think that he actually dated anybody because he never... He says he never had a boyfriend. Oh, that's right. He did say that. But I, I think that he might have been experimenting a bit with... Because we we've seen those guys or this particular guy who who uh, said no I'm not gay how would you think that but I, there might have been other guys at at Dalton anyway who were gay as well so it's not said that that uh, Blaine uh, was the only out gay guy there and uh, so there might have been some experimenting but not very uh, serious and not on on dating or boyfriend uh, level anyway so maybe some kissing or i don't know i know that what there guys <laughs> there there's some um fandom like theories that he kind of was like uh he went to college parties like where he knew there would be other gay guys and he had experiences that way like and and you know, like I like to think about that, like as but but knowing how uptight Blaine is, like and and he's just a little you know retentive little old man sometimes. Yeah, but. I don't know if I necessarily <laughs> see him going to college parties, but I do feel like. He comes into the relationship as the more experienced one, even yeah, going through I, the first time. I, I feel like I he's, feel he did. Like I don't think he was in a relationship. Like yeah, that's no. why he says he's he's not good at relationships. I but I, I do feel he has experience. I feel like he has kissed before. Yeah, definitely. I feel like he, because the way he has I, maybe even done hand stuff before. Like, because I, the way Kurt is about sex and the way I mean, and again we had that whole podcast that discussed it, but like. Just the way Blaine is more comfortable with every aspect of it over Kurt, it just makes me think. I mean, yeah, and he's comfortable. He's definitely masturbated before, and he's definitely like, as you said, what did the online research. Um, and but I do think he did, you know, kiss a few boys. It, it might have been one of those. I know that a friend of mine once said when they were in high school, um, there was like this this New Year's Eve party or something, and like everybody was like, you know, do one truth or dare, and so he he. Um, dared some somebody to like kiss him, and because he wanted to know what it was like to kiss a boy, and so he like it, it was kind of like one of those weird, awkward, forced teenage things. But it was still like I can see Blaine getting himself in one of those, and, and not necessarily manipulating or anything, but like being in one of those situations where it's like spin the bottle or whatever, and I'm gonna make out with this guy, and I'm excited because he's really cute, kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Can definitely see that. So, um, okay, so yeah, and then we get into let's talk about the date with Rachel and like I, how 
how does Blaine, because we don't really get to see Blaine interact a lot with, uh, especially in season two, a lot with the other cast. And let's talk about Mercedes and, and Rachel a little bit and how Blaine interacts with these other characters that are in Kurt's orbit. Um, and just, I don't know. I think he likes, like, how much experience does he have spending time with women? Because I'm guessing it's not a lot, but he's also very comfortable with them, too. So it's not like it's this crazy foreign experience for him. Don't they, well, that school with the, with the, that boarding school with the girls, they seemed like they interact with each other quite a lot when they invite them for their, uh, like, like rehearsal of, they, of animal. They seemed more fangirly though. Like th- he didn't seem like, you know, chummy with them. No, not that, but, but just that they have uh, more interaction with that school, like like kind of a uh, of a partner school, school and they're doing and, yeah. something <laughs> yeah. together. Used to being around girls, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Probably and and probably like uh, girlfriends of the warblers. Like he has that, but I think like more of his his relationship with with women is probably older women with like Pam's friends or something like <laughs> it's going back to the, the idea that Pam's a bit of a lush and mm-hmm. has like her ladies who lunch and like probably have it over at the house. And then he's super charming, like brunches and like, yeah, he's probably mm-hmm. like the enter- entertainment, like hangs out with them, you know? And <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, cute little blade. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I had a really interesting. Oh crap! What was it? Oh yeah, let's talk about because um, I think this is a super fun rabbit hole to go down. Let's talk about the fact. Th- what is the sequence of events? Oh yeah, the first time Blaine and Bert meet is that you know he wake Blaine wakes up like you know hungover in Kurt's bed and Bert's oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> what is the rest of that morning? I was thinking it was sexy, the the talk at the garage, but no, no that's, that's after that. At, is after he yeah. meets like the first time Blaine. Me, well, no, I mean because a lot of people think that it, that's not really the first time they've met. But I, you know, I can see Bert like hearing all about Blaine from his son constantly. And they're always going out. Uh, but I'm guessing Kurt's like, I'm going to go drive to Blaine's house. I'm going to go drive to Blaine's and, you know, whatever. And and Bert's like, who's this Blaine? Oh, you know what, though? They were together. This totally dashes my theory. They were together at um, during the football stuff in Sue Sylvester Shuffle. Um, so it was Bert, Carol, <laughs> Kurt, and Blaine. So, yeah, they met before, but still. Yeah. Yeah. So. My head cannon's dashed. Ah, oh well. Damn it! <laughs> first time you meet, it's well, he does act like it's the first time he's met him or seen him when he's because it's like it's a strange boy in my son's bed. So I think it's just more of the also. I mean, you can chalk it up to complete shock. Because yeah, I think you know. shock is more about the fact that there is a boy in Kurt's bed. Uh, no, not not related to the fact if he knows him or if he doesn't know him. Yeah. Just that there is a boy dream, and then come in and he's drunk, hungover, and sleeping in my my son's yeah. bed. Lane, That's what you're gonna say like Lane you totally ruined that first impression thing. <laughs> yeah, because 
it's probably like he's the most polite young man. He makes my son happy, and then bam, like is in the bed, and then like Bart just being like, "What? WTF, man? What happened? Who like, is this? What boy? is this? <laughs> like, like this is an actual boy, not this like sweet kid that like comes over and spends time with Kurt. Like <laughs> Bert is well aware that Kurt has a crush on Blaine. I mean, come on, who isn't yeah. except for Blaine? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know." But this, it, then it becomes a real thing. Like, here's, a, oh, this is a nice boy that's helping my son, uh, that my son is obviously, has a crush on, and that's okay, because after the stuff with Finn. But, um, yeah, then we get uh, this, you know, and I just, that morning after, and like, you know, they're making breakfast, and, and Bert just eyes him the whole, the whole morning, just like watching him and then like sex that comes along and and Bert just probably is really like eyeing him for like most of season two. <laughs> and like, then, what the fuck are you doing, kid? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, then I you know, oh gosh, there's that, that whole thing where Kurt's so you know, he's dating Rachel and he's Kurt's so upset and, and Bert's still like, no no no, he was in your bed though. We're gonna have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, oh, teenagers, you are such a mess. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. I, I, I think they're just mostly... It's kind of funny that Blaine still has some of these, you know... And I like that the online life thing kind of actually makes a lot of sense. Because, you know, Kurt and Blaine are inseparable. Or at least in my head, I think. And that's one of the reasons why season three is going to end up being a harder thing. Because I don't think they're as inseparable as they are here. But they're basically dating and in a relationship before they're even dating and in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, fun times. Um what let's let's move forward a little bit here and what do we think i mean does blaine have a process he goes through because we see original song mostly from kurt's point of view but i'm i wonder like you know he sees kurt singing and it just like it hits him and i just that i love thinking about the moments before things happen so like before Blaine decides to give his speech and, and kiss Kurt. Although I don't think he necessarily knew he was going to kiss him right then, but um, I just like this whole thing of him walking around and kind of like going through this process of, oh, I think I'm in love with Kurt. And just like this whole day of like, oh, wait a minute. I think I might, wait a minute. This and, that, and just and having this thought process. And I don't know, what are you guys' thoughts? He, he Googles, how do you know I'm in love? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> he probably would. <laughs> Sweet little muffin. Uh. Pam, I swear, like, when you started this podcast, you're like, I don't really know Blaine. Yeah, Kurt likes him, whatever. And and you just, like, you've evolved from, like, listening oh, to all yay. of us Blaine stands to, like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, muffin. He is a little muffin. He's a precious little muffin. There are like five people on my precious little muffin list, and Blaine is one of them. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, like, okay, so let's get into them dating. And we've got, let's do all the way up through the beginning of season three. Um, so, yeah, they're da- we don't see a lot of their dating life. I think... I know the fandom likes to go crazy with anything that's overly like, yeah, they were, you know, totally screwing around and hand jobs and whatever. I think 
that it was a little bit less than I think it's a little bit more less hand jobs, <laughs> more heart eyes, like yeah, making <laughs> out a lot of making out, a lot of kind of like feeling each other through their clothes. But I thought I, it, they but, just sat and stared at each other's eyes. Held hands in New York, where where Blaine's just sitting there staring at her, like with like huge hard eyes. (laughs) I but I think they're dynamic. They probably make people sick. Oh my god, if Santana's around them at all, like Santana probably has to overhear their stupid plans for moving to New York together. And I do think that they did come up with these plans in late season two when, I mean, especially when, you know, you I can see Kurt who's so excited about going to New York for nationals and, um, and, uh, talking about New York. And then it's going to be like, yeah, Blaine, someday we're going to go to New York and Blaine's like, yeah, we're totally going to go to New York. And it's like, yeah, we're going to live in this nice little apartment and we're going to, you know, this and that. And I wonder if like, this I like far off I romantic idea of like could you imagine someday getting married not together but just a, a, like um, as an idea like one day gay rights or gay, marriage equality will happen and we'll be able to get married and we'll have this nice little you know apartment and we'll sing come up may together and I'm you know how early in the relationship do you guys think that they sang that song to, to each other? I, I I'm guessing it was actually really probably even that. Summer. I think it was close to when when um, Kurt transferred back to McKinley. <laughs> probably. <laughs> well, and then let's talk about that because you know they're adult and they're all you know when Kurt transfers back, I think that Blaine's. I really honestly think the whole road to the breakup starts with. Kurt's transfer back because up until that point they were very together all the time and I even though and I think that's one reason why Delane decides to move to or transfer to Mm -hmm. McKinley because they're inseparable inseparable inseparable. and then Kurt goes back to McKinley and he goes back to having all these other things going on and yeah they're definitely dating definitely in a relationship and Blaine's definitely around but they're not together 24 seven anymore. And after, you know, Blaine, Blaine, this kid who, you know, we talked about just kind of being on his own and alone, but liking having this very big social aspect or part of him that's social. Now that he's had this taste of, you know, somebody around who likes him and loves him all the time, not having that person there like 24 seven, he's starting to feel like, Oh crap, wait, what's going on? You know, Mm. they're not on the same page. Kurt's, off doing normal things, but Blaine's becoming insecure. Not that we'd necessarily see it to season three, but I think that, um, Kurt was like, probably even from like right after, um, somewhere only we know when he's like, um, I'm never saying goodbye to you. Like after, right after that, they probably meet up and Kurt starts to talk about like, in a, like sort of like reassuring Blaine, but also like starting to talk about plans. Like, you know, this doesn't mean anything like bad things for us. We're still going to date. We'll still see each other all the time where, and then that goes into, and then I'll graduate and you'll and go to New York and you'll follow me to New York. And it's like, and then, um, so like Kurt's talking about their future plans, like, to to when they're little old old men in the 
nursing home reliving the notebook. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, Blaine's like, just like follows along with this, like, um, and then, you know, over the summer it shifts to, well, you know, if you transfer to McKinley. Yeah. And, and like putting the pressure on there. And then um, I, I think Blaine, like, you know, he, he follows Kurt and, and like listens to this Kurt, Kurt saying all these future plans. And um, I, he loves Dalton and like, he's comfortable at Dalton and the idea of not Dalton scares him a lot. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, probably the first time Kurt says it, he's just kidding. And then he kind of like, well, I'm not really kidding. You could like you, you could come to McKinley, you know, and, and to, you know, if you came to McKinley and just like wearing away at Blaine a little over, little by little over the summer, you know, <laughs> accepting the fact, you know, it's probably not going to happen, but wouldn't it be good if it, it would? And then, you know, Blaine finally gives in and, and transfers. Well, yeah, you have this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I feel he's like insecure. Yeah. His insecurity is starting up like even from when Kurt transfers back to McKinley and, um, and He's pressured into transferring to McKinley. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it's a great thing for him because it like opens him up to like the life. I think he would have had a very different life if he had stayed at Dalton and and gone down that track. To, yeah, well, to the track and that he went down. But I, um, it was it kind of going off your guys' points. You know here. You know, when Kurt's back at McKinley for the rest of that year, and yeah, Kurt's already talking about New York and already, you know, Blaine's just kind of, I mean, that's when Blaine says, I love you. It's like, oh, he loves Kurt's passion, but like, just all of these things, and Kurt's talking about all these things, and I want all these things too, but I really miss him being around him all the time, and I'm guessing during the summer, they probably spent every freaking waking second together. No, <laughs> they couldn't be always, like, making out or having sex or whatever, but I, they went to the movies all the time, they hung out with this, you know, like, I'm sure there were a lot of d- double dates with Finchel, there were a lot of, like, Mer- you know, hanging out with Mercedes, there were a lot of, like, going out and doing things, and they were, you know, except for maybe... Blaine going on a like his summer job because he went to the King's Island. What are, I don't know that was Christmas. Whatever he did during the summer, he said he was going to do during the summer. He worked at yeah, he worked at the amusement park. So the probably amusement parks. So there was a little bit of time when Blaine was working that Kurt would have been fine doing his pip, you know, Pippa Middleton musical. He probably um, went to the the amusement park all the time to see him and yeah. So um, <laughs> and he probably maybe. maybe worked at, at Bert's shop to, to earn some money for his clothes or whatever. So because it was yeah. used, because I, I, I think to, isn't it uh, after, no, it's in season one when Bert says, okay, want to change the tires, uh, help me change tires at the car. Oh, yeah. or something. So he's used to working at the, at the garage. Um, um, and now that I think of it, I kind of skipped over prom queen, but I don't think there's anything that really needs to be filled in there. Um, so, but it's a big moment for Blaine, but like, oh, yeah, like there's we've like talked not a, about it on so many other. Yeah, exactly. Well, this I'm thinking I'm skipping through all the season two stuff, but I'm really wanting to hit stuff that we don't see in like 
I think we dissected a lot of this season two stuff in various other in in ways and um so yeah the, the nice thing about season two though is that it fills in the story pretty adequately in a way that's satisfying i mean yeah it's still kurt's point of view but it's not incredibly holy like it, we're, it's going to be um when we get into other things especially later seasons but um Anyway, um, Carmen, a while back, you said you had a comment that you wanted to talk about, about Blaine transferring. Do you want to talk yeah. about that now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, so when I talked uh, to my better um, Blaine runs before I, when I prepared for, for this podcast, mm-hmm. she uh, mentioned that she has the head cannon. Uh, of course, there was still the, the question, is Dalton a boarding school? And did Blaine live there? And where was his house, where his family lived? But there, uh, clearly in season three, uh, he lives in Lima because his room, I, I said that, I, I just talked about that with, with Carly be, be, before you came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, his room, where he, where they where they where Kurt lies on his bed in, in season three is in Lima. That is canon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if there, there's the question, did he always live in Lima even before and just went to another middle school and that's why they didn't meet before? Or did he move to Lima when he transferred to be closer to the to his school because and that was what what my better was referring to was the fact that in when they have that big fight um in dance with somebody mm-hmm. uh, says i changed school for you uh, I, I transferred schools for you and i changed my whole life and that implies that he did more than just transferring schools because he says, I changed my whole life for you. So maybe he or his whole family or just he himself or whatever moved to Lima from wherever they lived before to be closer to his school. And that's why I never, if, if Blaine moved in with some, you know, older uncle or whatever, some family member or maybe alone in a little tiny little apartment, that would explain why there never was anybody at home. Well, he, well, I'm... He's, he couldn't. Really, I mean, he would have to apply for emancipated minor, and I, that was not. That, that's not a Blaine. Blaine was never in an abusive situation where that he needed to do that. But yeah, now that I think of it, I mean, maybe he did move in with an uncle or a grandparent or somebody, a cousin that lives in Lima. You know, it's his last year of school. He's like, Mom, Dad, can I please? Like, you know, live, you know, it's not too far from you guys. Well, but then in the, in, in um, season four, after the school shooting, he does say he had a long conversation with his parents all night. And I'm guessing they were like at home. So, um, I don't know. But I don't, it would make sense that after the schooling, he wouldn't go to a, to a place where he is quite alone, but he would go to his parents, even if it was a two-hour drive or whatever. Well, so see, that, I don't necessarily anyway. believe that they lived in Westerville either. <clears throat> I mean, just because they went to the private school there. I, you know, I'm guessing that um, it's, not, it's really kind of funny because people get so up in arms about geography and that doesn't bother me, but I get up it, I get upset about time. Like time is my thing. Like the timeline is specific and so other people don't care about that as much. It's kind of funny, but, um, with geography, I mean, you can have, you know, Kurt lives in like Lima 
in, you know, a more commercial, closer to a more commercial area because that's where Bert does has his shop. Um, but it's like more of a suburbia type thing, not like downtown. Whereas Blaine probably lives, his parents probably lived in a like maybe a richer part. Because like if you look at, for example, with my, where I live right now, there's the main city of Grand Rapids. And then there's all these other little communities around it. And then like an hour away is the next bigger city. And, and so it's, you know, uh, I don't know. So it, it could be a lot of different things. There is an interesting, there is an interesting thought of him living with another person, um, another family member during that time period, just to get him through his last, you know, which, but I, there's no evidence to say one way or the other. So anybody's headcanon can't be wrong. So <laughs> that's true. Um, I had something to say. What were you talking about? Where Blaine lived? Oh, I was, uh, yeah, I was thinking about, um, like how I, I was talking about Kurt always having plans for the future. Mm hmm. Like, um, something that, like, a new headcanon I just developed, like, two seconds ago. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> like, if if he's he's doing this, like, and he's always talking about our future, our future, our future, like, over the summer. And, like, if over this course of season three and his last year, he mm -hmm. starts to talk more about my future instead of our future... Like more about, and I'm going to New York, and like I'm going to Niata. Rachel and yeah. I are going to Niata. When we yeah. go to Niata, and, and it's going to be like, and, I'm oh, going to. Oh yeah, and an afterthought of oh yeah, oh yeah, and then you'll come the year after. Like, Blaine is already insecure. He he changed his life. He changed his school. He changed everything to follow. Kurt's dreams, and now Kurt's dreams are starting not to include him, at least Which, when he's talking about them. Just as an aside, even though I'm pretty sure it's mostly older women who listen to this podcast, and I love you, because I'm an older woman too, um, <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that's why you don't follow somebody else's dream, you have to follow your own. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think, yeah, we, it's, you know, kind of going to what you said, Carly, there's so much of Blaine who's putting all of his, you know, he, he was fine being on his own before Kurt. But when Kurt came along, we've got all of this, okay, we're going to, you know, we're together. We're always together and I can help him and I can be with him. And suddenly Blaine, who likes to be of service, like his love language is, you know, to serve, you know, he's throwing all of himself into helping Kurt with everything. He's lost himself. A bit. Um, like, who is he? If he's not Kurt's boyfriend, <laughs> then who is he? That's, uh, that's definitely his story in season, late season three, early season four. Mm -hmm. Or even, even going to, through season six. So, yep. basically, that's his story from late, when he starts getting his story. And, and another thing is that uh, you mentioned earlier that he had those close relationships to maybe his grandparents, if we take that headcanon, and to Cooper. And then they both uh, vanished. 
from his life. So they disappeared. He was alone again. So he was maybe reluctant to go uh, to to get too close with people. So that's why he was all only just like uh, friends with people, but not too close. Like you said, with the warblers, probably they were friendly with each other, but not very close BFFs. And now he has Kurt, who is very very close to, and now. Kurt also prepares to leave his life, like his grandparents <laughs> did before, like Cooper did before. It's, so yeah. again, he's in that situation where he he has to to prepare himself uh, for the loss of a very beloved person, and he tries to prepare himself by um, distancing him himself from Kurt, and then Kurt moves him right because instead of turning to him and 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 like um pulling him back to himself he turns away and meets chandler so for for blaine this this manifests is that the right word mm-hmm. his his fears that he already had that after he isn't in the picture anymore kurt will turn to other people to other interesting things and he will lose him when he leaves for new york and that is what yeah. happens actually so so Some love for things. him is that people need him and when kurt doesn't need him anymore it means that he doesn't love him as much anymore. yeah, yeah. yeah. So he doesn't understand that need and want are two different things because no kurt doesn't need him but he definitely yeah. wants him that's interesting uh, like in um, Silly Love Songs, Blaine says, oh, does he say, I'm not good at relationships or I've never I'm not really not good at romance. And romance, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, then that ruins what I was saying. But, like, if he said, um, I'm not good at relationships, that's really true. That he yeah. he is very good at, like, throwing himself all in when he decides to go into one. But when it comes, like, to that person needing to do their own thing, like he loses it. He loses himself and he like just, and, and that's something he has to learn and, and it's still learning by the end of season six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his, whole, his whole life evolved around Kurt. So when Kurt isn't there, he he's ang- like he said later, my anchor is gone and I'm, how did you say? I'm floating. I'm floating. Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so let's uh, let's break down season three a little bit. Um, we've got this beginning portion through. Let's go through the first time um, where he's coming back. You know, there's the school musical. I think that he and Kurt. Um, I think he and Kurt are 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 physically getting closer. Um, it's definitely even amongst all of this like school play drama. There's not really a whole lot of drama. Uh, Kurt is taking the more mature road and being like, okay, you, you got this over me. Um, I, but you don't see much drama there. So I don't even feel like, like it's a thing that happens. The school election is a thing that happens at Blaine's supportive of Kurt's where Kurt's supportive of the school musical. So they kind of balance each other out there, but they're still together all the time, you know, and then let's, let's talk about Sebastian. Here's who gets Sebastian. What, like, how much does that, because all of that mostly takes, you know, they, they mentioned um, that he's online, online, 
God, I can't talk online a lot. Um, I think most of the Sebastian Blaine friendship, whatever you want to call it, happened through texts, through messages online. I don't think they actually met very often in person, Um, especially the way Blaine reacts every time Sebastian shows up. Like, there's that one time that they meet in the lima bean and, um, and, you know, Blaine's very explicit. Like I have a boyfriend, like this is just a, we're getting coffee together. And then, um, I think then Sebastian starts contacting him a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. But if he has these, these social platforms with the warblers and show choirs, Sebastian is part of the Warblers and of Show Choir as well, so mm-hmm. there would be a lot of um, uh, a lot of Berührungspunkte, um, <laughs> a lot of uh, situations where they could meet and talk about things like like yeah, upcoming competitions or whatever. So. Or just Do you think um, Blaine ever got together just on a friendly level with the Warblers um, after he transferred to McKinley? At least online, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Not in person, perhaps, but um, in line, online. I, I don't think he, he did in person very much at all, because just the way they react when he goes for um, a ticket to bring the the tickets for um for oh, West Side right. Story. You're right cuz he's like, "Oh my gosh, is this your triumph return to Dalton?" Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe online. I I don't know like um they they probably are online or <laughs> have a forum of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um or maybe they don't and he was also the the online forum king. Uh, show choir blog king at Dalton too. So, mm-hmm. um, and Sebastian is filling that role now. Um, well, and I think, like I said before, I think Sebastian, once he gets the, like once he and Blaine are kind of introduced and whatnot, it's Sebastian that's making the, all the moves. Sebastian is. Texting oh yeah, constantly. definitely. Sebastian is calling. Sebastian is. I don't think he called. I mean, like, what the hell I, they actually I also talk about? Th- I also think that he he is doing it. He's using like show choir as a way to talk to um, to Blaine. I don't think like he's because just the way that and we discussed this for the Blaine and Sex podcast that like um, comparing Sebastian and talking to Blaine online to Chandler and talking to Kurt online and, and text messaging mm-hmm. like Blaine doesn't see them as equal probably because Blaine put that air of like, well, we're just talking about show choir. We're just talking about Dalton. We're just talking like it's all friendly. Whereas, you know, Kurt they're they're making like flirty jokes and, and I'm sure that Sebastian was making flirty jokes, but like, Oh yeah. He he probably peppered it in between, like talking about show choir to to keep the illusion to keep Blaine interested, right? Um, in in talking to him, because Blaine, Blaine was probably like, you know, you know, I have a boyfriend. Stop, 
Sebastian. Oh, it's just joking, just joking, yeah. you know. Yeah. You always seemed uncomfortable when when uh, Sebastian um, showed up and and talked about uh, these things. So he always seemed very uncomfortable mm-hmm. to me. So I don't well, think that he initiated anything. No, no, no. Um, and Blaine's always polite. I mean, he's always going to be, you know, accepting. Like, oh, you gave me a gift. Thank you. Like, that's just, the, you know, he's not the one to be like, no, this is inappropriate. Go away. Um, <laughs> he's just not. But I had this, like, it's an interesting thought. So you've got, like, their lives are really busy. And, you know, they, they sleep together. Kurt and Blaine sleep together. And then... Up through Christmas, I think that, like, the illusion of everything's fine still goes. Because I do think they find a little bit more time to, you know, to sleep with each other. And Kurt's, I think even then, Kurt is adamant about, like, okay, this is our makeout schedule. We, we have Thursdays off. You know, we don't have to do the plays. We don't have to do rehearsal. Thursdays are our makeout day. Like, we're going to go on a date. And we're going to sit in our car and make out. That's just when we're going to do that. And Blaine's, you know, okay. You know, it's not, but Blaine at this point is still sending sexy texts and still saying, hey, you know, you were gorgeous last night or hey, whatever to Kurt. And I think um, by the time Christmas happens, Christmas happens, there, it's all nice and lovely. And we can, you know, the, the ring thing is, is canon. But after Christmas, things change and this is um it's it's funny because in dungeons with somebody kurt says you know it's been months since like blaine you know blaine started pulling away like a month you know you know we've been we were just doing scheduled makeouts you know for a month so like i think that after christmas what happens is that you know there's the stuff with sebastian blows up blaine is out of the picture with the like eye patch thing and that's when Kurt really gets into, okay, I'm going to Niata, I'm going to Niata. That's when he gets his letter. Yeah, I'm going to Niata. It's about me. And then that's when Blaine, I, I think it's super interesting that they might still be regularly even sleeping together. But that's when they start to use sex and physical like communication over their words. And, um, you know, I don't want to talk about Kurt leaving. I don't want to talk about, you know this stuff that might be changing in my life, but you know, why don't we just, you know, we can still, I'll still sleep with him. And but then at one point, at some point he stops even doing that. And that's around that, like that pirate era is what I call it. Cause he's got the eye patch. Um, I think he starts pulling away physically too. And that's when Kurt starts to get insecure. Cause Blaine's like, you know what, what if I cut myself off now? It's just, it hurts too much. I'm just going to, you know, just cut my losses now. And, okay, I'll do what Kurt says because, you know, we're still dating and I still love him and I can't say no. But this is when I start to pull away. If I'm making any sense because sometimes I just ramble. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, it's been way too long. I have to rewatch, like, all of Glee. I have been in way too long. Sad. (laughs) Uh, We should do another, like, rewatch. Like, uh, you can head it because <laughs> 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 I'm never good with rewatches because like that depends on you, like watching only one episode at a time. And oh, I can't right. do that. I, mean, I think most people I can't like, do that. <laughs> binge watch it. If you, you know, I'm like five episodes at a time. And then even yeah. that it's hard. 
<laughs> it's like you can't watch Thanksgiving only and not watch Swan Song. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I can't believe I've been doing this for like three years now. But anyway. <laughs> but, um, oh, God, I was saying something. Oh. Um, yeah, he, during like all of season three, Blaine is getting progressively more depressed. Like, and it's, I don't know if it's just Kurt, if it's being. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, he's, out, he's in the new school. Not he's knowing got the, his, his place in, yeah, McKinley, you know. There's the stuff with Finn. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, they make up by hold on to 16, but it's still not welcoming. I mean, McKinley's just not a welcoming place. And he doesn't, he's kind of got Mike as a friend, but there's <clears> probably a lot of dates with Mike and Tina. He's not really yeah. close to Artie. He's not close to Puck. He's not close to Rory. Uh, he's not close to Sam yet because Sam's still kind of, you know, with Finn. Um, there's a lot of coupley things, but again, he's also, you know, at Kurt's side. He just made it sound like Sam is dating Finn and that's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, if that's when Sam's going through his, uh, I mean, he's dating Quinn and he's dating Santana and he's just going through his own shit, but, um. Yeah, and then that, that is the, the time when Kurt starts talking about, like you said earlier, I am going to New York, I am going to Niada. So Blaine starts to realize that that perfect magical year is coming to an end yep. and that mm-hmm. he will fall to a, into a, into a fall over the cliff into some, you know, like lonely place again where he has been earlier when he was abandoned by people. So and, and that's it's, all his... his Years. It comes in in Michael like he he's starting to feel like a little more accepted into the and then Sebastian happens where mm-hmm. like and everybody like hates on him like thinks that he's like a traitor mm-hmm. because he's he's friendly with Sebastian who who just basically like is the biggest enemy to New Directions ever or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then Sebastian, like, does what he does uh, with the rock salt. Um, and that's a huge blow to him. Like, he... Um, I And probably, like, brings up a lot of trauma for him, too. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I think there's kind of a turning point because at the end of the episode, they they are speaking together against Sebastian, like Santana yeah. is, is uh, uh, stepping in and and uh, doing this this confrontation with uh, Sebastian. So uh, yes, they they called him trade at the beginning, but during the episode, the the mood changes, and I think that this is the point where, where Blaine actually gets included and part of the Glee family where he struggled so much to to actually feel accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and this is, it's an interesting divide that happens right here where he starts to, like, so we're post-Christmas, Blaine starts to spend more time with Mike and with the guys group and, and like, there's, like, you know, everybody helping Puck get into college and or get or graduate or whatever or whatnot and 
Kurt is off with the girls and off with Rachel planning her, his, you know, Niata stuff. And this is where it starts to be the divide with Kurt and Blaine, where Blaine's like, you know what? I've lost people. You know, this is where the Cooper thing comes back around and, and it, it sheds a lot of light on what's going on with Kurt and yeah. Blaine because, you know, Cooper left. And even though he's going to sort of patch it up, I mean, yeah, they end the, the Big Brother episode on a, on a lighter note and a happier note. They're still not going to be BBF, BFFs. I mean, Cooper's still going to go back to New York. I mean, sorry, uh, L.A. And it's not like he's staying. It's just, okay, things are better, but Cooper's still going to go away. So he's still preparing to for Kurt to leave and like, okay, the end is inevitable. Why don't I just cut it off now? Because I've been through this, you know, it's going to hurt so much, you know. And what he doesn't really get is that Kurt is like, nope, I've got our lives planned out. Like, this is actually going to happen. And Blaine doesn't trust that because of stuff that's happened to it. The way, partly his personality and partly, um, you know, the stuff that's happened to him in the past. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking if... Uh part of Lane uh, distancing himself from Kurt is not just like um, what you just said uh, it will end anyway so why don't end it now and not wait or, or starting to end it now by distancing himself but I think part of him might be uh, unconsciously uh, kind of a test if I distance myself from Kurt will mm-hmm. he turn around and follow me and, and look after me or will he just go on with his dreams and with his um, New York life and forget about me? Right. And the thing so that Blaine test for him. doesn't I'm get not- about Kurt yeah. is that you got to basically bash Kurt on the head and be like, hey, pay attention to me. Because Kurt's just a very <laughs> self-involved character. Yeah. He just is. And, uh, you know, in general, it's kind of, you know, you... Uh, most people are kind of self-involved in that way, that they're not going to be, you know, Blaine would notice because that's the kind of person Blaine is, but not everybody is like that. And he doesn't realize that Kurt is just not, Kurt thinks that Blaine doesn't like him anymore. Um, Of course, Kurt needs to like, so Kurt notices Blaine going, you know, distancing himself, but he doesn't really know. He's like, okay, they just, mm. they just everybody just needs to, do, TV shows in general, they should be able to, need to freaking talk to each other. Yeah. None of these conflicts where characters don't talk, and that's why they're, they have issues. Uh, <laughs> it's not just TV, though. I, like, most of my problems at work are people don't talk to each other. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, gosh, communication, guys, it's great. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of funny that we're, yeah, I do think Blaine is sinking into depression. I do think it happens way earlier than, you know, people give it credit for like, yeah, the breakup does feel sudden, but it isn't completely out of nowhere. They were planting the seeds of this in season three and I can even chalk it up to like the end of season two, that idea that when when Kurt goes back to Kinley, the dynamic shifts, and that's where things start to go down this other path. Um, but yeah, so we get Dance with Somebody, which is kind of them sort of figuring things out, but they're just not there. I think they get the physical part of the relationship back at that point. But I think yeah. like talking through... And we're unfortunately going to end in, in right at the beginning of season four, so we don't really get to like close everything off. But um, 
the end of season three is probably a lot of Blaine, you know, being there for Kurt, you know, a lot of probably, especially that summer, it's probably a lot of sex. Um, a lot of like reassurance from Kurt, even though it feels like if Kurt has already moved on to New York and Blaine feels left behind, even it's one of those things. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but like you're sitting next to somebody, but you feel like you aren't that they're not even there at all anyway. Like, I don't know. I've been, a, I've been in the opposite situation where I've been the person that like I have, you know, I'm about to leave for college or I'm about to like I, I went abroad a couple of times and and I'm about to go to you know France for a year or something and like I don't feel like I am physically there for the person who's next mm-hmm. to me yeah yeah and I, I mean looking back now to then I I understand that but like I don't think I understood it then because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm right here. But, you know, I was You're not really. No. And I think that's what we kind of don't see with the Blaine stuff. I mean, we don't get a lot of Blaine-centric episodes. A lot of it's still attached to Kurt. We just get the Big Brother thing, which shed a lot of light on stuff, which we talked about really with the early childhood stuff. But um, a lot of this late season three stuff is leading towards Blaine kind of having a breakdown. And... and- um, big thing, like, there have been tons of dissections and discussions about this, but, like, Blaine is a person who is prone to, like, chronic depression or mental issues. Like, that's that's how his character is, like, written. And, and so, like, we're saying, like, yeah, he's depressed because, but he's depressed or he's, you know, because that's, also like something that's his his mental state like how he's built and i i don't think as a teenager yet he he really had the the tools to or the coping strategies to deal with that like i don't even think when he goes to new york he he has the coping strategies to deal with that that he because it's like a recurrent thing that keeps coming up, keeps coming up that like, why, why am I not happy with this? Or why am I like, why do I get so, so wrapped up in people and, and afraid they're going to leave me and like self-sabotage and like things like that. Um, and that's for next discussion. Your next podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, and like kind of leading up to, and I, I feel a little weird leaving it on this note, but um, uh, the summer between season three and four, I think is really melancholy. I think you have a Kurt who's kind of depressed that he's still in Lima after not getting into Niata. Mm-hmm. And that kind of like where Blaine might be happy that Kurt's still around. It's, depressing to be around a depressed Kurt yeah and again I don't think there's a lot of talking I do think there's a lot of physical intimacy um I do think they they're still they're still together but I also think there's a lot of you know Kurt's at working at the lima bean so Blaine will go off and he'll do his summer activities I don't think they're as inseparable as they were in season two between seasons two and three I think there's a lot of Mm -hmm. 
hey, you know, there's a movie. Oh, your dad wants you for this. Okay, that's fine. You know, or I also think that, um, yeah, I agree with that totally. And I think that um, Kurt is different because he's he's dealt a huge shock and like is like all of his plans like have gone up in the air and he doesn't know how to deal with it. So I I'm thinking he's probably like no longer talking about the future, like, cause he doesn't know what the future holds. So he's mm-hmm. like totally living in the, the present, but like Blaine is used. Isn't like having a 10 year plan as 18 year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, tend to do I don't know why <laughs> like I have a like two week plan I know right? <laughs> as a 35 year old <laughs> I know what I'm doing the rest of um, today <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know that oh no but um I'd probably go back to bed for a nap <laughs> oh goodness I've got so much I gotta do oh my god <laughs> anyway um but um but yeah so like he's probably because he doesn't want to deal with the fact that he he is probably depressed and he, mm-hmm. he and everything. He might not so even he, recognize it. I mean, he, he doesn't want to talk about the future because he doesn't know what his future is anymore. And Blaine doesn't know how to deal with a Kurt like this. Like, yeah. So well, it's kind of funny because it's different than when Blaine, like when we go back to season two and Kurt was sad and depressed, Blaine stepped in. It's like, I can help you. So he was in that mentor role. And I can, you know, I can fix this, but Blaine can't fix this Kurt. This is not, yes. he's going to, yeah. He probably does, like, he probably attempts to talk to Kurt about it. And Kurt brushes him off whenever he tries to talk about, probably with sex, he he brushes him off and, mm-hmm. and um, says, oh, no, no, I, I don't really want to talk about it. And, you know, Blaine's like, okay, okay, we don't have to. And that's. You know, probably why, like, when we get to um, the new Rachel, this for your next podcast, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, no, it's fine. I mean, it's going to bleed over. It just, yeah. It's a, it's, I, I mean, cutting it in the middle, like this, when literally cutting it in the middle of the story. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, but, yeah, he, he's, a re- he is ready for Kurt to embrace his future and to like, because he, he can't imagine a Kurt in Ohio. Like he, Kurt is too big for Ohio. He knows Mm -hmm. that. And so like, he doesn't want a Kurt that won't talk about his future, won't dream about his future. And he knows the only way he'll do that is if he starts his future. So that's why he like encourages Kurt Mm -hmm. to get the hell out of Lima. Like, even though that's not what he wants at all, he wants Kurt there, but he also wants a Kurt that has dreams and and he wants his Kurt. A big thing to keep in mind is that in the middle of the story in the darkest, this is pretty much the darkest era of Blaine. He is still all about Kurt and it's not until Mm -hmm. that second breakup that he's really going to find footing as himself again. Um, but he's got to kind of hit rock bottom to, to, to get yeah. there. So, so yeah, a little um, find himself in, in season four after the breakup, yeah. but like yeah, not totally. It's a, it's a, but like, it's kind of funny. Cause like it wears, you know, he starts off in a high place in season two and it goes all the way down and we've hit the bottom here. And then in the next podcast, we're going to like start to bring him back up. 
Um, yeah. But yeah. So on that note, <laughs> um, was there anything else that you guys want to touch upon? Um, anything that within any of the episodes that you are like, oh yeah, this is a cute little thing we should, you know. Can we just talk about some like AU headcanons? Like, what do you mean? I guess like fun little headcanons. Like, what if Lane never transferred, or what if, like, what if when helping Cooper with his audition video, some exec in Hollywood saw him in it and said said hey come edition and he became a star (laughs) i mean there's definitely a lot of things out there i think just because we are now going on three hours i'm gonna try and wrap it up a little bit here but are you gonna have a podcast like that that's like the crazy what ifs (laughs) i'm not sure um we might i might put out a, a a poll and see what people think. And if I get a lot of them, I might do it. Um, I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing yet. Um, but I'm not against the idea. But let me put out a poll and see what people think. And if they have, if we get a lot of interesting and, and you, you feel free to, you know, put in as many as you want. Um, uh, we might go through them and, and uh, just sorry, present you can them. cut this part from the oh, podcast. don't worry about <laughs> it. Yeah. No, no, it's the, my only, it's kind of funny is because once you start getting down a, a, you going down those AU routes, they're really incredibly interesting, but it, it does become it's a separate podcast entirely. So yeah. that makes sense. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I'm totally. Trying to like, not to stifle your creativity because you've got a lot of great ideas. <laughs> I'm just like, um, I just for canon stuff, I try to stick it with can, but yeah, let me, let me put a poll together and I'll see what people come up with and, and, um, yeah, mm. we'll see. We'll go from there. Cool. What about you, I Carmen? Have, I have I, I, one thing on my, uh, on my notice, sure. uh, my, on my paper with, with my notes, uh, it's uh, concerning uh, the Sadie Hawkins dance sure. uh, school where it happened. So, of co- I know that we we said that we we um, um, confirmed that it probably happened at middle school. But if it was in high school at the beginning, like like Carly mm-hmm. um, mentioned, would also be possible. Then what if it was the same high school? Uh, as um, David Karofsky is uh, entering later. So if it was the same school where he had to face his bullies uh, and it was the same school where where Blaine had to face his bullies, um, then it would have been a platform for the both of them to connect when they met in, in, uh, in season six. So just... That's super interesting to think. Yeah, that is really an interesting. Never would have thought of that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's not. It's. I have to for for um, truth's sake. I have to say it's not my head cannon. It's also my my um, Bedas head cannon. So Klein runs um, <laughs> head cannon. This. So I. No, that's an that's an awesome okay. head cannon. Yeah, yeah, I, I like. I, mean, I like that a lot of because all the plain meta things beforehand. So that's I love it. Muffin. Cool. Yeah. I mean, um, I had another thing to, to say sure. too. Um, yeah, absolutely. There, uh, uh, had Cannon actually a, a little fic that I, I wrote, um, about the, uh, dating Rachel. Oh yeah. Go for it. Um, so I wrote a little fic about how like 
it was a re- his relationship with his dad and his dad was like pressuring him to like how do, how do you really know you're gay how do you know, like oh, okay. you've only been like uh, oh sure you you have this boy you like him like you know you know boy like teens like you have have feelings like maybe like how do you know you don't like girls have you ever kissed a girl blah 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 maybe and just like something yeah mm-hmm. yeah like um the the little fic I wrote is like he he's doing this he's getting that pressure and so he dates Rachel and then Rachel kisses him and like right after Rachel kisses him he runs to the bathroom so that Kurt and Rachel could have like a little discussion but like in my fic he runs to the bathroom and he calls his dad leaves a message and say you know I'm gay I know I'm gay I'm totally gay I don't like women like Mm -hmm. back off accept me who for who I am kind of thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like I I because the whole out of the blue bi story maybe I'm bi story like always hit me as like Blaine what (laughs) well lazy writing like you know one thing I want to say I I don't and I'm gonna defend this storyline just a little bit because I want to, I, and I'm arguing this from a point of view that's a little bit older, especially even from the people from teenagers of the time, because a lot of people were like, you know, either they were like, yes, totally let Blaine be bi, or you know, he's to- he's gay. How would he ever? Why would he ever think that he was bi? And I think that something I don't think. Okay, with my experience, um, commun- having conversations with gay men that are my age which mid thirties and older at this point was that there was a safe kind of soft way to come out is to, you know, say that you were bisexual. Um, and you know, the people that I knew did that, you know, I, now I know Kurt doesn't handle it well. And that's a whole nother, and way Glee handles bisexuality is a whole other podcast that we're probably be doing. But, um, it's it's just not the most unrealistic thing that Glee has done. And Glee does a lot of really ridiculously unrealistic things. But that is one that I understand and I, it makes sense to me why Blaine would go through this whole thought process. No, so. I, I totally get that. Like, pers- personal story. Uh, I went to an all-women's college mm-hmm. and where there tends to be a large uh, like population of lesbians and bisexual women. And, um, I kind of didn't feel like, didn't want to experiment, quote unquote, because I didn't want to be labeled a bug or a lug, which is lesbian or bisexual until graduation, mm-hmm. um, which is a horrible term. Oh my goodness. But <laughs> so I, I didn't really like get into that then. And then like, a, I, I experimented a little in, um, grad school and then, um, then identified as bisexual for like a decade. And then it was like two years ago, I said, nope, I'm a lesbian. Well, there you go. I totally understand that. But, but what I don't get, why I don't like the writing for Blaine is because he is a very out and open gay man. And like that it happens like in one episode in like a tiny frame period of time, mm-hmm. like it's like I'm I'm happily gay. I know I'm gay, and it's like, oh, I kissed while 
making out drunk a girl and <clears throat> it felt okay. All of a sudden I'm bisexual and then nope, I'm gay. Like I, I don't like the way it's written. Like it's, I, I understand the story of like bisexuals or oh, identifying yeah, as bisexuals yeah, because no, when you're, when you're questioning but that's not what blame is. And yeah. so I did not like that story. Yeah, I can understand. I mean, like I said, the way the way Glee handles bisexuality in general is yeah. not good. It's no. just really, no. really bad. Well, Especially, yeah. well, nowadays, like in the last couple of years, it's it's gotten a little better. Mm. But um in general, bisexuality is not handled well at all. No. Anywhere. But but in this case, like I did not like this story. Yeah. Um, no, I, and I can understand that, and I do, I'm not saying people should like it. I'm just saying that I understand where it's coming from. But oh, Glee. But yeah, we are actually yeah. doing a, a a podcast on LGBT issues, um, where it, it probably will be brought up because yeah, oh, Glee, oh, Glee, oh, Glee. Um, but yeah, it kind of uh, wrapping it up a little bit. Um, because we want to keep it under three what? hours, but oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just one kind of thing for the end. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know it's a, it's three hours already almost. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I have a, a funny headcanon for Blaine's father that is inspired by a by a a, a missing scene fiction I read yeah. as well, uh, which um, I always um, wasn't under the impression that that. Like you said earlier, that Blaine's father was accepting of Blaine's sexuality in general, but just not um, the type of man who could express his feelings and he didn't know how to deal with it. And he was insecure around that whole topic. And so that's why he he just didn't talk about it much and distanced himself a little bit, which would also fit into Carly's headcanon with, mm -hmm. are you sure you are really gay? I mean, yeah. Bert... <laughs> Bert asked Kurt the same when he said, I'm gay. He said, are you sure? Of course, he only needed his answer. Yes, I'm sure. And then it was that. But maybe. But but the thing I want <laughs> to say is there's this this funny little um, thing where um, it, it's after, after um, Christmas. So they have their first time already and they're having sex. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lane's father shows up at Bert's garage. And talks to him and says, okay, I'm Blaine's father and I think we have to talk. And he shows him an, uh, an empty box of condoms that he has found somewhere, <laughs> I don't know, in Blaine's room or whatever. Mm. And he says, okay, I think I have to talk to my son, but I don't know how to start that conversation. Please help me. How, what do we, and, and then the, the fathers have a talk about how to talk to their sons. And then the next chapter is, of course, we're talking, giving, giving Kurt a second talk and mm -hmm. the third chapter is uh, Blaine's dad sitting Blaine down for a talk and then it's like really really yeah. sweet seems like a really sweet sweet it, story it is it is actually sweet and this is my head kind of for Blaine's father and his his way to deal with it and it's called Fathers it's on mm -hmm. the it's, it's, it's not a, a very um, I think the, I just oh I think I've read that it's Doodle Doodlebug is the the, is the author. Uh, they are not um, like like they, have, uh, they only have one one fiction on Ao3. I, I just opened it. It's only this one fiction, mm. nothing else. But it's so so sweet. 
and I, every every person who wants to have Blaine having a, a quite a kind of a good relationship with his father has to read this fic because it's so sweet. Yeah. And my absolute hack canon for Blaine's father. Yeah, I think in in canon or in fandom there has been like the move towards Blaine's father being like going the other direction. Like uh, there's too many like stories that. about him being like abusive like mm-hmm. to the point and like, i don't that's no, not my head game. i don't buy this i mean who, they who make would pay a, an expensive school for his kid uh when they were that um you know like hateful me to yeah hateful to them that well it well, goes well that, I mean, that happens but <laughs> yeah well but i mean it kind of reminds me of my headcanon is more of a Howard Stark to a Tony Stark thing, where it's like, my dad didn't say he like loved me, he didn't even say he liked me. Um, but then, you know, Nick Fury's like, your dad loved you. You know, it's like one of those things where, uh, and you know, maybe I And then kinda... spoilers for, for Endgame and Howard Potts meets Howard Stark and I Sob. Um, sob, sob, sob. <laughs> well, to, to kind of, you know, maybe the last topic I want to bring up um, to kind of end it on a happier note is this idea <laughs> of family. And that I think that um, it, throughout season three, Blaine is constantly allowed to be at the Hummel's house. He is, I'm, I think Carol adores him. I think Bert thinks of him as a second son or another third son or, four, you know, like another kid in the house. And it's very loving. And I think that one positive thing to happen throughout all of this, um, you know, Kurt going in, off to New York stuff is that Blaine starts to get a, a good relationship with Bart and Carol and be a part of their family in a way that he's not really with his own. And I still think that, you know, his family every once in a while, maybe they'll have, you know, Thanksgiving together, but that's about it. I mean, I'm just thinking later on, and we'll talk about more about this when we do the the fourth or sixth and beyond episode. Is that you know he spends Christmas with the Hummels over his own family, and I think that um, I don't know. Yeah. It's just my own head canon that it starts more so in season three, where Blaine is accepted and loved by these surrogate parents of Bert and Carol, and it's it just gives Blaine a happy place. Well, I, I, yeah, I like stories that talk about um, fiction, fan fiction that talks about the fact that Blaine is still invited, um, still still brought in by Bert um, after yeah. the breakup and deals with the Blaine-Bert relationship after the breakup. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that's so interesting and something that Blaine needs completely. And I think it's something that Kurt knows that Blaine needs so like even though Blaine broke his heart and like broke everything he he still wants Blaine to have that relationship with his dad yep because he knows he needs it mm-hmm. yeah. and it's somebody looking out for his dad too that's important. yeah yeah so. and I, like I, I like stories that talk about how they got from that point to like I hate myself I I I like hurt your son to um, being asked by Bert to, to go to New York with him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. All 
right. Well, I think that is a good place to end it. So it's not on such a dark and depressing note completely. Um, we will pick up um, in a future podcast doing the, um, it's going to be four through six and beyond. Um, and just filling in little pieces of Blaine's story. Uh, send us your own head cannons and I'll publish them. Um, what are you guys' thoughts about, you know, what are your favorite fix? What are your favorite, like, own head cannons that you guys really enjoyed? Uh, what are some what ifs? You know, like Carly mentioned, we can do some what if stuff and we can have, we can try and get a uh, bigger conversation. Um, I did start a Discord channel that I will post an invitation to again on TVD. So come join us and talk to us there where we can just get on and chat and that'd be awesome. Um, otherwise, you know, we're TBD still going. So just drop us a line and talk to us. You guys never talk to us. So just, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Um, I want to thank Carly and Carmen for coming on and having this great conversation. Um, it's been a lot Yay. of fun. Yay. And talking thank about Lane. <laughs> and <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, I'm not sure I am doing these so out of order these days. I'm not sure what we're doing next Sunday, <laughs> but we will be doing something. Um, also, the, all the other ghost podcasts will be back in June. Um, so keep an eye out for that. It will okay. be back. A lot uh -huh. of fun stuff coming up uh, coming up soon. So, yeah. Uh, thank you guys for joining us and have a great Sunday. Popular, Lar, and